rebuild of the favorites. We here for the latest. South side or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound or the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. It's that time of the year now. Wrigley or Gantee, so the whole league that we hear now. New show with a new mood. Discussions and interviews. Trade rumors that might be. This is Pinwheels and Knife. Yeah. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the boy, yeah. Every season, they get all changed. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the Welcome to the Pinwheels and Ivy podcast. I'm Aldo along with Kevin and Mitch. As always, the Pinwheels and Ivy podcast is brought to you by Sports Mockery. Visit sportsmockery.com. Download the Sports Mockery app, turn on push notifications, and uh, maybe one one of these days, Mitch, we'll find out uh, when Jim Tomey is named the next White Sox manager. Uh, again, sportsmockery.com. I mean, let's just jump right in. Mitch, Kevin, oh, I mean, shout out to Zoe uh, and his uncle, I believe it was. Yep. Salute, salute to the troops. Um, Zoe will be back next week. But... For the past couple of weeks, obviously the big news surrounding the White Sox has been their manager search. We saw a report from well, who was it, John Morosi, that the they had good impressions from Espada and Girafol from uh, the Astros and then the Royals, fetch coaches. And then randomly on what was it Tuesday, Scott Morgan, who's the beat writer for the White Sox on MLB.com. From the clouds, just drops in with high praise for the, like the nicest guy I think in like baseball history. Uh, everybody likes him wherever he went to go play. Jim Tomey. He's like Jim Tomey, great guy. He's smart, knows the team. He has uh, Jim Tomey. I think was hired in 2013 after he retired uh, to be an assistant to Rakan. Um, I think he's done some coaching stuff with like in the futures game. I think. I uh, saw a clip of him in there, but uh, guys, Jim <laughs> Tomey, what? Why? I, well, I mean, I feel like we say this every week. That sounds like a typical White Sox move that they would make. Like, would it shock me if they hired him? Absolutely not. I mean, Jim Tomey, great guy, good hitter, but the fact that one of the things they come out and say during Rick Hahn's press conference at the end of the year, one of the main qualifications, first one they're looking for, is we're looking for someone with experience. Jim Tomey has none. It's the same reason I, w- I would rule out Willie Harris. And I think Willie Harris would make a great manager somewhere. The 2023 White Sox, not the right time or place for him to get his first opportunity. It's the same thing with Jim Tomey. Like, you used up your mulligan on Tony LaRussa. You can't have another experiment with Jim Tomey. And, yeah, I'm not saying Jim Comey can't hold the guys accountable, but he seems kind of like a nice, you know, he's a really nice guy. And that's just, we need someone... I can hold guys accountable. And I don't know if Jim Tomey's like that guy. Well respected, but I just—it's a weird fit. Yeah, it's 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 a weird kind of like dog going back to its vomit over and over again kind of thing. Where it's like the White Sox, whether it's the media or whether it's actually the organization or whether it's kind of a combination of both and fan, you know, whatever fan speculation. But I, 
they can't not, I mean, I don't understand why there's such an aversion to going outside of the franchise. And I said this today earlier, look, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, and I, I hate to use the Cubs as an example, because this really pisses White Sox fans off because like we're not the Cubs, but you know, it's kind of like saying if, you know, if so-and-so had a, a vaccine that would cure you of all diseases, but you didn't like them, would you still take the vaccine too? Of course you would, because you would, you know, you're going to you know be healthy. Same thing with the White Sox, the Cubs in 2000 was it 2012, decided we're going to go away from everything that's been Chicago Cubs, and we're going to go with an outside person, Theo Epstein, with zero connection to the Cubs organization, and bring him in and let him do whatever it is that he does so we get a fresh pair of eyes and things can change. And he changed the organization from top to bottom, whether it was the developmental system you know, from the farm, from the Cubby Way. Remember, I remember, although you remember the Cubby Way was something he would throw out there, which was kind of a cop, you know, the Cardinal Way, whatever. But it was kind of like a little troll in there. But he, he came in and changed everything because it was different. It was not the norm. And I think that it's so weird that, you know, it hasn't worked for 100 years for the White Sox consecutively in a season, postseason births, in full seasons. They've not made a single two-year period where they both go back-to-back in full seasons to the postseason. There's a problem there. Um, and so, you know, again, it's it's not shocking that people are going to come back to their favorites. You know, I mean, God, before Theo Epstein, you know how many times I called for Ryan Sandberg to be the Cubs manager? I loved Ryan Sandberg, right? Or, uh, you know, it's just it, same thing. I mean, I mean, even Davey Martinez, God, you know, former Cub, too, that banged Ryan Sandberg's wife. That would have been weird. But, um you know, have all these different, uh, you know, we wanted it in-house. And then uh, having seen Theo just, you know, just crater it all and say, let's start fresh and plant a new flag because it, it hasn't been working for 108 years with the Cubs. It, it worked. And, you know, why go back to things that haven't worked um, and go with the with the nostalgia part? Instead, go with someone that's going to win. You know, the window's going to close, you know, in two, two, three years max. And you need someone to do it now. And you don't go with the first timer, like you said. And you don't go with, the nostalgic pick that has zero connection with the players like an Ozzie Guillen, because that's just moronic. Um, I had a whole conversation about that because I mean, there is still stuff out there of why he was fired in Miami. Besides the fact that he, you know, he endorsed Fidel Castro. <clears throat> that happened. That's why he got fired in Miami too. But there's some, the, the, the old owner or the president or whoever had some stuff to say that Ozzie Guillen shouldn't be in a dugout ever again. And he said, he'll, he's happy to tell people why, if that comes to that, but there's a lot of, that's just fan, it's going back to like, it's just like, it's like a comfort blanket. And it, it's, it's kind of high time that, you know, just like with the Cubs, the White Sox go away from the comfort blanket and get someone in that's going to actually like flip the tables in, you know, in, in the temple yard, you know, in the temple yard and start everything fresh and get a, a real fresh set of eyes in the organization. And that could have been done with Rick Hahn too, but we'll talk about yeah. that. Later. And I'm not, I, I, I'm a firm believer the manager should pick their own staff, but hypothetically mm-hmm. speaking, Jim Tomey, you brought him in as the new hitting coach. I, that's something I can get behind. Because I, I do think he knows the game really well. You see him like, I, I think he'd be a great hitting coach. Guys like they, know the, they know a swing. <laughs> see, all all that you guys said makes sense. Uh, Mitch, you brought up how you know the White Sox already had their fuck up. You know, Jerry had his guy, brought in Tony Larusa. But unfortunately, we are talking about the White Sox, and we are talking about Jerry Reinsdorf because he can just be like, "Yeah, Rick." Uh, Good job interviewing these guys. Uh, uh, Jim, I, I really like Jim Tony. <laughs> like, yeah. he can just do it again. He can just do it again. We played a good round of golf last week. Uh, I, he's our guy. How come nobody is uh, the guy that got railroaded for the job for Tony LaRusa in the first place? How come no one's bringing up Ricky Renteria coming back? Like, what hey, the Beef Lowe says that Ricky is still the best manager that the White Sox have had for the past. Week. I love Ricky, and <laughs> I think great. he did his job exceptionally well for the time period that he was in. 
But I don't disagree with the fact that, like, look, all right, now we're in winning mode. You kind of got your year in 2020. But I, I love Ricky. He, I mean, I think he those guys always play hard, and he made a shitty team for all those years fun to watch because a lot of those guys buy it, bought in. But to bring him back is another reach like that. The best, reach. And I don't think they're they're going to either. So I mean, they're not even entertaining that. But no, yeah. how can this? I was just wondering whether Sox fans don't go back to that one. Most of them aren't going back to that one. They're going back to Ozzy, who hasn't been in a dugout in 13 years, just as longer than actually Tony Larusa's been was out of a dugout. I mean, they both it's left the dugout at the same time. It's because he's it's because he won. That's that's why people love yeah. winnings. No matter like I bet you, you you can take a poll of like Bears fans right now and they'd be like, yeah, get Didka back. Just because he fucking yeah, dig up. I mean, dig up. What's his name's uh, he, won one, you, he wins one Super Bowl, and everyone forgets like what an overrated coach he really was. Yeah. I think if we're talking football, Buddy Ryan really carried that team. But you know, mm-hmm. we'll, I mean, we'll go down that. The, the city of Chicago, outside of the outside of the you know, obviously the Jordan Bulls, like with uh, Phil Jackson, like just I'm sorry to say, it's just a lot of losing. And the yeah. Blackhawks, yeah. you know, Blackhawks had a great run in, in the 2010s, but man, that's not going so um, well, right. Yeah, I want to ask exactly you guys, really. the Jim. Do you feel that the this Jim Tomey noise was that just Scott Merkin? Um, uh, was that a feeler? Like, was that was that Jim Tomey going to Merkin be like, "Hey, man, bring me up"? Was that just was that is that coming from Jerry Reinsdorf? Who is? Why was this yeah. year brought up? I, I absolutely. I mean, he works for the White Sox. Mm-hmm. Like, he's writing for MLB.com for the White Sox. If it's getting out there, and it's because someone from the front office wants it to get out there. So maybe it is like some feelers, but I, I mean, he's not reporting that unless there's some sort of. I just thought of something. I just thought, because I think Scott Merkin is a Michigan man. So is Rakan. Their buddy, buddy. This is a this is a little uh, this is like a little one eighty from Rickon. He's leaking the Jim Tomey news so that when he hires his guys, he can be like, "No, guys, I put my foot down. I got my guy." <laughs> that, <laughs> this come from huh? I, I I have to say this though too. Like the Heat, you're going to hear enough. I mean, we're, we've seen enough. You know, off season when it comes to free agents, this one's going to be a doozy just because there really hasn't been much direction from the front offices of what they're going to be going like even what like remotely even kind of direction they're going to go with so it's all it feels like all of this is speculation in a, in a matter of speaking and you know although i did hear and this is a pretty you know i would say the person that i got this from is a pretty reliable person um and who they got because this is now this is coming third hand so i'll say this is third hand so this is not me talking to someone directly this is someone talking directly to someone who then related to me so it could be absolute like horse pucky uh, I do trust the person that related to me. And they said that Oz, the Aussie thing is actually gaining steam, which that frightens me a little bit when he tell. I mean, he, he told me who told him and that's a pretty good source as far as White Sox news is concerned, but it could also be as he, he could have also been very well meaning it's gaining steam with fans, not the front office. So I, I you know, I think they better. gave him, I, I, I do think they gave him an interview out of respect, especially if he wants the job. I don't see him going in that. I, I don't see it, that happening. I, I think they do it just because, you know, I think it's clear that he wants the job and he wouldn't be opposed to managing. But well, yeah, he's I been think Jerry, being a loyal guy he is, will grant him an interview. And I think that's where everyone thinks it's gaining steam. But I, I don't see Because they've I mean, had opportunities to hire him in the past. And they haven't. I mean, you know, know, that's the other thing. I mean, I think by now, I mean, it's, they've been at least planning out their – whoever they want to interview for now, at least for what, like three weeks now. 
I mean, yeah, and- they, they've known since Tony LaRusso like went down with the health issues and what was it late August that they were going to have a new manager. I think by now we would have we, we would have had a leak of like they're going to interview Ozzy again. I I haven't seen it. Most of the all of it has just been fan driven. Yeah, and it's not uh, like Ozzy's been on TV for the last two years lobbying for the job yeah. or longer. Like that's uh, the thing. Like I, there is such a bad uh, relationship with him and. Uh, was I think it's with Reinsdorf and Kenny Williams that I don't think I think I said last week I don't think Ozzy's going to be managing the Sox again. Um, the other name, the 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 popular name that also was brought up briefly last week uh, from one report, I think it was the um, uh, Mike. Oh man, what's his name? Uh, it was the Univision guy, but uh, it was Joe Madden. But then Joe Madden went on the radio and six hundred the score on Wednesday. I think he's like, yeah, no, I haven't been interviewed, haven't been called, let alone the White Sox from anyone. So, hey, it, for White Sox fans who hated the idea of Joe Mannon, it doesn't seem like Joe Mannon's on the radar. I will say it is weird because as much as we do complain about the White Sox, and there's a lot to complain about, they're usually pretty good about leaks. Like the trade with the Cubs a couple years ago, no one knew about it. Came completely out of left field. Tony Larusa hiring too was kind of everyone heard about that like two days beforehand. If that that came kind of came out of left field, Rick Hahn usually does a very good job of not letting stuff leak out. And now all of a sudden we're getting like a bunch of different reports from like some guys credible, some not, but there's a lot of like leaks out there. So it's telling me that either he wants stuff out or they're not very buttoned up. And either way, I don't, I don't like either. It's not a good, it's not a good sign. Uh, Kevin, Joe, Matt, Joe, Matt, are you, are you I, saying I, the Joe Madden? Uh... I, I don't think it'd be a terrible thing. I mean, a guy that knows how to win. And He's a Cub is, though. I, what, what I mean again? Here we are with this. <laughs> don't want the Cubs leavings or whatever or whatever the hell they want to say. Do you want to win or not? Like and, and again, what, what what a manager like uh, in, in this situation? What, what they do nowadays? Um, you know, I, I think we're, we're it's pretty clear now at this point that managers don't make as many decisions as fans think that they do. They're given the lineup by their analytics department. They're given the bullpen that they can use for that day by the analytics department. We have general managers calling down to the dugouts demanding lineup changes for health reasons and or optics reasons. It's not like it, a manager is dealing with people at this point. Can you command a locker room? Can you, at least in the limited decision-making that you're allowed, I mean, you don't even get to argue ball, you know, you're arguing balls and strikes at this point. And, and that's basically it. Like, there's a lot of stuff taken out of their, their hands. And so you need someone that's going to handle people. And do I think Joe Madden can handle people? I think over the course of like a two year period, that window. Yes. Because then the shtick wears out after like two years, but if it's not someone like a Madden, it's got to be someone that can relate to the people, that can motivate, um, that could have a firm hand. But at the same time, this isn't a generation of players that can handle uh, the Bobby Knight style. That's why, again, the Aussie, the Aussie Gian style doesn't work anymore. A guy that's an asshole to his team, his team and his players. I mean, I saw an interview with Ozzy uh, on Showtime that when they were doing when he was with the Marlins, he was basically telling what I can't remember. If it was like Heath Bell or whatever. Nobody wants to see you pitch. Your family doesn't want to see you pitch. The office front office doesn't want to see you pitch. I don't want to see you pitch. Your teammates don't want to see. You. I mean, holy hell, you don't say that to anybody ever. Um, and that was him just casually leaning back, playing with his belly button. And I'm like, wow, that's not okay. Now that doesn't work. Joe Girardi doesn't work today. It has not worked that way for another for like two or three years. You need someone that can actually a guy like a Rich Hill at you know University of San Diego. Guys that are kind of like quirky and weird, like Madden or Rich Hill, that can really you know resonate with players and still they you know give them the firm discipline that they kind of get and they, they they at least wear it the proper way the hard nose hard ass is just it's it's gone i don't think that that's, I, a, that's a style anymore see, 
here's where I would push back on Joe Madden. And I agree, like, there was a period of time he was best manager in baseball, right up there. But if you look at the last couple of years of the Cubs, underachieving team twice, and then a massively underachieving team with the Angels. Like, the recent resume doesn't look very good. And so I would argue, I don't think he, I don't think he's a very good fit with the team in general. And you look at his past couple of years. I mean, what have you done for me lately in this business? And the answer with him is not a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, well, let's be honest. The angels are a dysfunctional organization from top to bottom. You think the but, white Sox are a functional organization? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe you're right there. <laughs> you're, Walking with, with dysfunction. <laughs> with Joe Madden, you're also talking about a guy with like huge ego who, you know, he's, he's on a media tour on media, media blitz like the past month. Uh, with his book, just chilling out all the details of the time with the angels. Uh, and but that's the thing with Joe, like, like you, you, like you described it, Kevin, like baseball has changed. The manager doesn't make as they don't have as much uh, say. So in the overall process of uh, day by day uh, baseball games, but Joe Madden can't let go of that. Joe Madden still wants that control. Yeah. There is, it's, it's sad to say, because I, I do think Joe Madden in, like you said, like, five, seven years ago would be like a number one choice for the White Sox in the same situation. But I, the, the, like the time has passed for Jim, Joe Manor. It's yeah. just it's sadly like that. We, you know, we, we talk about like the game right now, you know, you, how do you win in the postseason? You have to hit home runs, right? Yeah. Like, yes, we, we would like to see like, you know, hit the ball to every field, uh, you know, steal bases, bunt, but just because you like something doesn't mean that's how you win nowadays. And sadly, the, like the time has passed for Joe Madden. Um, now, in order to go, uh, oh, go ahead. No, I say it's a valid point. It's a valid point. I mean, I, I, you know, I, you don't need to be someone yelling at the cloud. And yeah, the 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 two. I mean, the analytics probably Jordan Jordan Miller. What up, buddy? He's right. There's there's too many people in the analytics department, but that's not a terrible thing except when it comes down to the postseason stuff. Like we've talked about, analytics is great for the 162. In the postseason, well, it's a whole other beast. I was going to say, it'd be perfect for the White Sox. You yeah. have five. Yeah. Because <laughs> they want you to the postseason. We're seeing it you know, with the, with, with the Phillies, and we're seeing it with, with, uh, with, with the Padres. It's just who shows up and who's ready to go and who's playing good baseball at the right time. And analytics is so imbalanced because of there's, there's so many bad teams now across the board, especially after the trade deadline, that the analytics are completely skewed because you're beating the hell out of basically a A team you know, in that same analytics and there's, there's lesser and lesser top tier teams to test yourself against until you test yourself against them in the postseason, which has hurt the white Sox when the central was bad the last couple of years and they got to the postseason. Um, and I think actually, sadly enough, I think it, I think it hurt the Braves a little bit because I think that that NL uh, East was okay, but not great. And I think, uh, or not the East, excuse me, the, um, the, uh, the central, excuse me, the, for the Cardinals um, got, got, it was just weak and the Cardinals got in there and just got, dominated i mean it was easy and so i think that you need the analytics but you need more especially the human stuff when you get to the postseason because the postseason is a very human experience all right so jim tomey garofol espada i'm joking the jim tomey thing um i did throw it out there just making a comment and i didn't really think i didn't mean to say it that way but how come nobody is talking about rich hill the the, the head coach at University it's of the, San Diego. Because like, he's a college the, guy. I think. I mean, that has to be it. Like, yeah. the, the White Sox are a lot of pressure. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way Rick Hahn is hitching his wagon to a college coach. Yeah. 
Oh, that would be. <laughs> Imagine that. That, right, that would be a little too old, so we're gonna go. That would be the equivalent to like when the Bears hire, like, try to outsmart themselves, and Phil Emery's like, "Yeah, Mark Tresman is our guy." Yeah, like, you, that, you don't want exactly what that would be. That that would just be like Rick Hahn trying to be the smartest guy in the room. Um, yeah, no, that would be again another against Rich Hill could be a great coach. Maybe I mean, one day, he, but he went to USD and now he's in Hawaii. So uh, he I, took I, Hawaii. He's chilling. I, I bet he has. Yeah. He wants no part. Yeah, he's probably smoking weed every day. He, I mean, he did take a a, a a college program that was notoriously horrible, and they actually finished third in the Big West with a twenty-eight and twenty-four record, which isn't too shabby. But that's one year in Hawaii. I don't think. Yeah, I, I didn't realize he left USD actually until just now. I, I he, he, this was his first year with Hawaii. He left last, uh, last uh, summer. So, never mind. See, right, I'm out so of the let's recruiting. Get the, let's get to some player uh, news and rumors. Uh, but so let's go forward. Let's go back because Chicago Sometimes White Sox beat reporter uh, Dara Renshawen uh, wrote over the weekend or a few days ago how uh, he was the second guy now who's reported, who's basically said the White Sox are going to move on from Jose Abreu. They're going to put Andrew Vaughn at first base. Uh, but he also added this juicy nugget in there that, according to his sources, back in 2019, the last time Jose Reu was a free agent, uh, the front office wasn't uh, 100% on re-signing him. And it turns out that it was Jerry Reinsdorf who came down once again, put his fist down, put his foot down, uh, fist in, uh, and said, just offer him this deal. He's coming back. So, guys, thoughts? Jerry Reisler for the right. Go, Jerry. You know what? The bad move with Tony, the good move with uh, a break. I think Cancels we net even there. Because if you look at what they got value-wise, like, honestly, it was a pretty savvy baseball move. You got an MVP season out of them, led the team in average. I mean, uh, good, good for Jerry Reinsdorf there. It's weird, though, with the whole thing, because I think at this point we all know he's not coming back to the White Sox. We're talking about the stages of grief last week. Mine are all backwards because last week I was at the acceptance that he's going to move on. And I was like all sad. Now I'm at like the kind of, I'm angry. The fact <laughs> that like it dawned on me, his like last game and he knew it was probably going to be his last name because there was looking, I was looking up at some quotes from before the season and he, he was saying something alluding to like, Oh, like where I'm going to be like next year. Like if I'm going to be here like next year, it's like, I think he kind of knew the writing was on the wall that we're, we're probably moving on. Uh, so I think he knew that was his last game at home. And the fact that he wouldn't even come out, even before, if you want to sit next to the manners of the whole game, like fine, but at least like go out on the field beforehand, you know, tip your cap, like let everyone say goodbye. And he did. That's a cowardly move on his end. Now I'm pissed. I can't be mad at Jose because, you know, he's, he's great for us the last nine years, but I am mad that like no one got the chance to say goodbye to him. And I think as like teammate, and I guess the, um, uh, the so a lot of the players and like coaching staff are like, oh come on, like Jose, like go out and do it, and he just wouldn't do it. He's like, no, nah, I'm just gonna sit here. He's like, I don't like goodbyes. It's like, well, it doesn't matter. It's not for you, it's for us. Selfishly, <laughs> I'm mad. Sorry, that was an off on a tangent, but yeah, that's, uh, that's where I'm at. Jose. That I mean, I I'll say from the day that happened, like that, I thought like before I knew that it was his decision that he wanted. I'm like, oh, this is like a bullshit move by the White Sox. Come on, like give the fans one last chance to you know to give him that standing ovation when he comes up to play uh comes up to the plate but then when i was like oh he he was the guy who's like yeah no i don't i don't want to play this game and then he just there's no real acknowledgement to the fans 
and then he's just like, yeah, I don't like that's all he that that his excuse was just like, I don't like goodbyes. It's like, dude, come on, like this is like what you you said your entire career, how much you love the fans, the city, the team, yeah, and then and at the end you're just like, uh, yeah, bye guys, like you just Irish goodbye to you, <laughs> yeah. Especially um, with the Cubs next year. I'll play that. Oh. So, okay, so that's part two of this. So now we have Bob Nightingale and uh, Dervin Show from me sometimes both saying, White Sox, they're moving on. Uh, apparently, White Sox has been ready to move on for a few years. Uh, and then Bruce Levine, 670 score, and also from Marquee, was on the radio, uh, 670 score on Saturday, I think. Uh, and he said, yeah, the Cubs have interest in Jose Bray. He's going to be on their wish list. And then he wrote uh, an article, I think he... Uh, he had stronger language in there. He's like, they're like at the top of their wish list or something like that. But he basically like, you know, backed up what he said on the radio. And he's like, you yeah, know, Cubs definitely interested in Jose Abreu. Everybody freaks out in Chicago. And as I remind everyone, as we keep seeing these free agent names attached to whatever team, every team is going to be attached to good players because that's what you want. They're not going to sign all of them. Just because the Cubs have interest in Jose Abreu doesn't mean that Jose Abreu is going to have interest in the Cubs. So, you know, we don't have to MF uh, each other yet uh, on Twitter. Uh, but Kevin, <laughs> we've talked about it for weeks. I mean, you brought it up, like, at the end of the year before this even— Before the evening popped out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, before it even, like, became apparent that he wasn't coming back. But I, the discourse has been disappointing from some of my Cubs uh, fan, oh, fan base here. The disrespect uh, some of you have been uh, laying on the feet of uh, Jose Abreu has been disappointing, to say the least. It is it is classic meatball behavior. I will not uh-huh. stand for it. There are that, that's the thing. Jose Abreu, he's not perfect. Ground ball machine last year. The power went down, but he still hits the crap out of the ball. He is a solid defender at first base. He uh, increased his walk rate in 2022. He's still good, guys. This it doesn't matter that he's going to be thirty six because he still hit over three hundred, and was still yes, the barrel percentage was down, but like the overall exit velocity, he was just still hitting the crap out of the ball the entire year. Kevin, what, what the hell is going on? With some Cubs fans, bro. <laughs> it's it's the Anthony Rizzo bias. It's it's I'd rather have Anthony Rizzo. Oh, uh, he's better. Like okay, whoa. First off, I you know I love Anthony Rizzo, but let's let's kind of tap the brakes a little bit. They're both good, but I, it is it's weird because Anthony hey, Anthony Rizzo ain't coming back to the Cubs. That that ship has sailed. That yeah. bridge was burned. Um, yeah. But I don't I don't get it. It's it, it's but it's it's the same bullshit with like Sox fans not wanting Joe Madden. Um, it's it's the, you know because he was a Cub. It doesn't make any sense. Look, Jose Abreu is a White Sox. Cool. Oh well, he rakes. If the Cubs are serious about contending. A two-year deal with that dude is going to make it work. And, you know, especially if you have that second-year option, whatever, uh, mutual club option, player option, or whatever, that works great. Um, but, uh, uh, sorry. Um, but uh, you just, I don't I don't get it. it but then again, it plays into the meatball stuff. Like, again, it's, it's, the, it's the stuff that, why wouldn't you want a guy that basically is, a, you know, a season and a half removed from an MVP season? Why wouldn't you want a guy that's shown that he can DH, he can play first base, he's a very good teammate, and he's a very good mentor um, with with the guys that he plays alongside? You know, these are these are all great qualities in a team that's 
you know, that seeks to contend right now. And if the Cubs make a couple more moves besides, I mean, it's not just going to be a Brayu and then take it easy. If their Cubs are meaning business, it's going to be a Brayu plus one of those infielders plus another arm. You know, they're going to build something. They're not going to waste any of this stuff. Um, they're going to, they're going to go and do it. And so I, 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 it's, it's, it is a typical meatball stuff. I would, you know, I would take Jose Abreu in a second uh, in that dugout. I would love to have him around for the younger guys. You have a young team, and he could bridge a gap, especially take the pressure off of Matt Mervis. So Matt Mervis doesn't have to be a stud in his first year, which is so messed up that Cub fans, it's like, oh, we got Mervis. So you really think that a guy that's never played a single major league inning, you're going to call him up and expect him to be your superstar? 75% of those people did not know about Matt Mervis until like June. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know. It's it's uh, it's well, it's uh, hoshwalk doo-doo. It's not just Cubs fans, which, by the way, as far as the meatball take goes, you know who else was a White Sox? Sammy Sosa. And look how that worked out for yeah. him. Different, I guess, with the trade. Um, but I, it's, I don't even think it's just like the Cubs fan. He's like disrespected like everywhere. Like White Sox fans were so quick to kick him to the curb. Oh, you know, we got ball. Oh, we got sheet. Like even when he was on the team, like there was a constant bitching. Oh, too many double plays. Like no one really appreciated how like great he was. There's a large segment of the fan base on Twitter that was just ready to kick him to the curb like a couple of weeks into the season. Um, I mean, he starts slow in April every year, and you always hear the complaining about that. I remember when people wanted him to like to be traded, like before he had free agency back in like 2019. They're like, oh, we should like trade him now. He's disrespected <laughs> everywhere he goes, even in the MLB top 100. For a guy that his first seven years, he had six years of 30 plus homers, 100 RBIs. Like those guys don't grow on trees. And he was always like in the wrong half of the top 50, in like my opinion. Especially for a guy that's improved his defense every year, you, you know, you see what he does in the clubhouse. It baffles me how much disrespect this guy gets from everyone in the city, including his own fans. And that's, I know Twitter's only a small section of the fan base. Like a, most Sox fans appreciate what he's done, but like he he gets disrespected constantly. And he'd be a great fit there. I mean, we've talked about it before, but he tends to hit well in Wrigley. He had that one series in 2020 where he had six homers, I think, in the span of three games. He had two or Four homers in the span of three games, and he had two in the one game. Uh, he hits well at Wrigley. Uh, you, you need a first base and DH guy, and he's cheap. You can build around him for the two years. I'll be honest, too. From what As of right now, where the Cubs are moving forward the next five years and where the White Sox are, I'm more optimistic about the Cubs' future moving forward than I am the White Sox right now because we do not have a whole lot of flexibility. Like The big reason they're made Vaughn, like the future, they're like franchise at first base, was because they, de- especially moving with him going forward now, is because they need the flexibility money wants. They got a lot of money tied up to a lot of underperforming players right now. The 2022, like this 2022, 2023 offseason for the White Sox is, this is like 2019, 20 for the Cubs, where you're, you have your core guys, they're making their money now, they're coming off down seasons or like slightly underachieving seasons, but you can't really do a lot. The only nope. difference is that you do have the one guy that, you know, you can move away from and use that money, but then how much do you trust the GM using that money? Uh, wh- by the way, for Abreu, uh, wherever he signed, what do you think that contract looks like? Well, by the way, I don't know if we, we touched on this, but the Cubs, Cubs only have an active salary uh, and that includes Jason Hayward, by the way, of $91 million for 2023. Yeah, that's the thing. Plenty of space there for, for Abreu, but I, I think he might have been Houston. Uh, that would be a, a, a very good My, I think Miami makes a lot of sense because he lives in Florida during the offseason. I could see him playing there. Uh, if He doesn't. He loves playing in Chicago, so obviously the Cubs make a lot of sense. Houston's been throwing up a lot. I feel like if you're Abreu, 
Houston makes the most sense for him because he plays well in the warm weather, obviously Houston warmer. Uh, and if you're going to like, he's on the back nine of his career. If you're going to sign somewhere else in free agency, the Sox don't want you back. Like, don't you want to win? Like, I feel like that, that would make the most sense from his end. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll see, I guess. He will probably take less to go to a contender to get that ring. Um, it, but not much. Cub- if the Cubs do get him, this will be, I mean, it's a little different because it's, you know, the example I'm going to use is, was a starting pitcher, but it's like an older guy who, but he was still getting it done at an old age when the Cubs signed. And it was, and it meant that the Cubs were serious about still contending was after 2015 uh, Cubs losing the NLCS to the Mets after the season, they have the big off season of, you know, Hayward, Zobrist. And then they also added John Lackey. John Lackey was like 36, 37 years old. They sent him to like a two-year, $32 million deal to be like their just to bring another veteran guy to shore up with the clubhouse or whatever, and also bring some st- more stability to the starting uh, rotation. And although he kind of was a little wonky in 2017, 2016, he was great. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And that's, again, to me, that's like kind of what Abreu is. You know what you're getting in Jose Abreu, mm-hmm. a consistent guy. Yes, he's going to start off slow in April or whatever, but then at the end of the year, he's still going to put up numbers. Winning teams um, don't, don't gamble. Winning teams don't gamble. They yeah, they they, they plan the on. They don't gamble. They want something that is considered like an, an, an obvious choice or a, a a sure thing. They want a sure thing. You know what you're getting with a sure thing in this league than Abreu putting up big offensive numbers. In his down season, he still had 15 home runs, batted over 300, 76 RBIs. Which is above average. For like the his, his down season, his down season was like, oh man, this guy walked more and he became more of a contact hitter. Yeah, <laughs> right. his strikeout rate was at an all-time low. Yeah, like, it was like, oh man, this guy is like, bum. It was six point uh, five WAR. Was it six point five WAR or something? Now I will say with the White Sox, you're putting a lot of pressure on Andrew Vaughn, and like rightfully so. I think they believe in him. The fact that. They put him out. They trust him enough to play him in left field when he'd never played outfield before. Barely any time in the minor league. So he had to learn how to hit major league pitching, then learn an entirely new position during a season where they're like, hey, yeah, it's World Series or bust. It was very telling that that he's the future. So I guess it make, doesn't surprise me that they're moving forward with him. But I'm interested. I know, Fids, you're a big Vaughn guy. What do you think his production looks like next year? Does he take another step or is what we saw, you know, 285? 17 homers, kind of like what he is. It's another solid guy, but never that superstar, I guess. I feel like the power numbers are going to go up. I feel like that's probably the thing you're going to see most. I think you're going to see a jump in power numbers. I think that the average, I think that he's, I think I've always thought that he projected as like a 280, like a 285 kind of guy who has the ability to shorten up, but he's also a professional hitter. But I think that the power numbers are something that I've expected to kind of, as he continues to kind of get a little more experience and pitchers start, you know, altering you know, the good, you know, around the good things that he does, he's going to find new ways to make them pay as well. And that's what good, good hitters do, which is in the off season, they, they don't necessarily reinvent, but they find their holes and they find what they really want to work on and improve on for the next season. And they go after it. And I think that that's probably for him, um, power numbers and, uh, and actually getting, you know, playing well on the West coast are two things that I think he wants to work on the most, um, with it, with his, with his off season. So I think that the power numbers are going to go up. I think you're going to still going to see a 285 guy, a 280 guy, a guy's going to take walks, um, but a guy that's going to, I think he's going to start leaving the yard a little bit more. Uh, some of those, those, those fly balls to the warning track are going to, are going to carry a little bit further. And he's going to have, I think he's going to hit 25 to 30, you know, at least next year. Uh, and you know, especially if he stays healthy, I think that that's a good projection, like a three, like a 280, 285, 30, 
30, 34 home runs. Uh, I think he'll drive in 100 runs, and I think he'll be a very, very valuable piece. Is that Bobby, Is that Jose Abreu? That's the question that you ask. And I think uh, Nathan uh, Sheba in our comments asked, if winning teams want predictability, then why not keep Abreu and trade Vaughn for his future value? And honestly, I don't think winning teams, teams that are considered that want to win, they don't let a person like Bobby, or I keep saying Bobby Abreu, Jose Abreu leave. You don't let a bat like that go out the door. You find a way to make it work inside the construct of your roster, period, because that's too good a bat. And he's too important to like the, the chemistry in the clubhouse. But uh, obviously we found out earlier this week too, that according to one report that uh, this front office wasn't a big fan of Jose Abreu in 2019 and that it was Jerry Reinsdorf that stepped in and offered him the 50 million three, three year deal. So I'm not entirely sure Rick on and Kenny Williams know what the hell they're doing in that sense too, because they had an MVP in their midst and they couldn't even self-identify. So I here they feel, are not self-identifying yeah. again. I do feel like that, that, that part of the, that source of that might've been taken a little to the extreme. Because all it said was like the front office wasn't 100% on board. It wasn't like the it wasn't like he said like the White Sox front office were ready to move on from Jose Abreu, and the only reason that he stayed was because Jerry Reinsdorf offered it, was the one who to you know offer the deal. Uh, all it said was just like they weren't 100%. But that read to me like Jerry Reinsdorf was the one that said no no here this is I think what that ultimately he was I like think it was mostly the, the extension they were when like the, when the chairman like, the extra two years with the extension. Uh, and that's where Jerry came in and said, this is uh, what we're going to do. But, I mean, if Vaughn hits 275 and the power numbers go up a bit, I mean, that's solid. And you have to remember, too, he's not going to have to worry about playing left field. He's a very solid first baseman. I think he's better defensive first baseman than people give him credit for because mostly he only played 17 games there last year and he was so bad in the outfield. But he's a very good defender. So, um we're, what messed it up, especially with bringing going back to the point of good teams keep reliable guys with the Brayu, Eloy Amen has really mucked the whole thing up <laughs> by the ability of to not stay healthy and play crappy left field. Because then you have Vaughn at DH with a Brayu, and you can platoon the two. The fact that Eloy could not stay healthy, but then went on a tear the back half of the year, it's like, well, we're not getting rid of him. He's still young, and he's got a future, but he can't play the outfield. That's what screwed this whole thing up. If he could have shown the ability to play outfield, wouldn't be having this conversation. So maybe we should start framing this not as the White Sox chose Andrew Vaughn over Jose Abreu. Maybe we should really frame this as, in the end, the White Sox chose Eloy Jimenez over Jose Abreu. Yeah. Considering it's really Eloy's fault that any of this is an issue because he can't stop you know, dislocating his shoulder. By the way, Houston just all of a sudden hit long balls. It's 3-1 well, now. I- Two I- jacks in the class in like, in like five pitches. Ball go far, team go far. Uh the Eloy thing, it's funny how you said, like, if he was just, he didn't even have to be a good defensive outfielder. Like, he could have been Andrew on. He could have been, he could have been the worst rated outfielder. It's just like, don't get hurt <laughs> trying to catch a ball. And yeah. he just kept doing that. Like, the bare minimum was just, don't get hurt. And he just kept getting hurt. <laughs> yeah. Like, Eloy could have been shit, but they could have been like, all right, fine. You're still healthy. You're playing 140 games. You're hitting 40 home runs. We don't care that you're just shit in left field. And then you still have a Brayu back. You still have one at first base. Everything works out. But then Eloy misses half the season for like two years in a row. Yeah. Um, the other thing with the uh, – what else do we have here? Let's see. Mailman Jack. Uh, trade Hendricks keeper Brayu really, uh, Raylo closer Vaughn DH. Uh, Zoe has been on the trade Hendricks uh, train too and giving the closer job to Raylo. That – Nah, that's I, a big gamble. 
it is. It depends what you're getting back. And I don't know how much you're getting back for a closer that's had the arm, you know, red flags that we've seen this past year. And he's excellent, but I mean, I'm not just trading him for nothing. He's still one of the best closers in the American League. So, and I don't think relievers are going to net you anything of value. Like, what are you getting for a Liam Hendricks without a magical? Like, magical. Wait, no, never mind. Actually, you know what, Kevin? Good segue. Because uh, we had this question from uh, one of our listeners, Wayne, on Twitter this week, uh, asking about Nick Madrigal. What are the Cubs going to do with him? What the trade value is for him? What is the trade value for Nicky Two Strikes? I think it varies based on moves. That the I think that if Madrigal gets traded, I don't think he's going to go early in the offseason. I think that the Cubs are going to have to secure the middle first. And if they don't secure any of the big name free agents, whether, you know, again, I, I'm still anti Nico Horner leaving, you know, short, but I'm sure that there's, there's the, there's that contingent of, of Cubs Twitter that has, you know, that, that the same ones that over undervalued KB the whole time and was doing KB trades the whole time. Now it's Nico Horner is going to move to second base and we're going to line one of these. They're taking Nico's defense for granted. Either way, Nico's going to do what he's going to do because he's a good dude. And he's a good team player. He'll play wherever he wants. I think it's a downgrade if you leave shortstop for any one of those. We've seen Trey Turner in the postseason. He filled, filled the baseball like a clown all season from Dodger fans, apparently. He's been terrible defensively. Um, Dodger fans have been bitching about it now. I didn't realize it was that bad. So his defense is a downgrade. He can move to second, pay him a little more. Correa can move to third, pay him a little more. But Nico would move to second if need be. Landing one of those free agents of those three, Bogarts, Correa, or Turner, inadvertently is going to pretty much put an end to the Nick magical era with the Cubs, but he's got a cheap contract 700. He's arbitration eligible for the next what four years. He's a $700,000 a year contract. He's very, it's inexpensive with team control. You know, that's a little bit value. You know, I think the Cubs maybe had hoped that he would really play well and stay healthy, you know, for the whole stretch. And that would give him a little bit more market value. But, you know, I think he's part of a package deal, uh, maybe for a team that's trying to shed some salary. That's again, I, I threw it out there. If the Cubs went crazy and went after Shohei, you know, they've got a lot of prospects. They could probably throw wisdom over there, they, you know, as a first base option. But, you know, Magical could also go and they could take the payroll of the uh, their second baseman now. I forget his name now. Or their shortstop now. David Fletcher. To, yeah, Fletcher. He, they sent him a contract a couple years ago, and he, he had a really good year. And he hasn't posted a, 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 a 1.9 or better war since in, in the last two or three seasons. And he's getting paid a lot to, to do little. So I think that, you know, payroll shedding – uh, makes him a valuable piece to a team that's trying to shed some payroll, but maybe you can package it's not him. That crazy though, I think his deal was like five years for twenty six million. And it's still money for a guy to not really do much. Um, it's not terrible. But it's not it's not terrible. That much. I feel like you could use like worst case scenario because you're you're really in no rush to trade him. There's no reason to oh, trade true. him. Why not just it's use them as like a Yuri Garcia role? He could be a solid guy off the bench. Doesn't strike out much. There's some speed. He wouldn't have to play as much, so you don't have to worry about the injury thing. Like worst case scenario, if you were on like not able to trade him, what's wrong with having a Nick Magical on your bench? That's what really sucked about the whole Nick Magical thing. It's just dude's been hurt for yep. just all the time. And he started <laughs> like, playing well again. He started getting high like, again. He got high. He <sighs> he had like a seven. He had to, he finally had an OPS above seven hundred in August or like July, whenever it was. It was August, August, because he got banged up again in September. Yeah, August, and then you know, even the first couple of weeks of September, and then he gets hurt again, and it's and then they shut him down, and it's like God, like this was this was it, this was the finally uh, healthy Nick Magical. He had the time at AAA that you know some of us were talking about, like okay, maybe he he needs to clear his head because he was he was awful, but maybe, head, huh? but maybe, but maybe, but also maybe that's because he was he was coming off 
a surgery in the offseason or like last year. So he wasn't maybe 100% healthy. So he had the excuses, like valid ones. You know, a new team feeling the pressure of that. He had all the things. And, you know, for the most part, I think fans were willing to give him somewhat of a break. But just like he was on the injured list three times, three yeah. separate times, missed big chunks of the season. And then, you know, Morel put up uh, decent numbers his rookie year. That took away the whole, oh, Nick Madrigal, because now you have a, a guy who just came out of nowhere. That yeah. basically kind of – but that's the thing, even Morel – I've said it a couple weeks ago. I don't I don't really want Morel being the option to be an everyday starter either. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his versatility is, is his biggest attribute. Uh you know, it's kind of, it's just it's just sad for Nick Madrigal because th- this was a guy who he showed he could hit, and then uh, just yeah, injury. it's frustrating because you want him to do it so bad now at this point. You want him to like prove the haters wrong, but you know, and again, his early injuries weren't like soft tissue things. Like he got his hand stepped on, like he broke his thumb or whatever. Like it, that's not a that's not a you're soft. That's a broken bone. Like what do you unless you're like the dude from Glass. And uh, or from uh, whatever uh, unbreakable, and, and you know, like you fall down the stairs and you break like seventy five bones. That's just a freak injury. But then you get the soft tissue stuff. Then you get the ankle stuff. Then you're like, oh my god, can you just just do a just one? You know, it's like Saquon Barkley in the NFL. We're starting to see what happens when Saquon Barkley gets a full season if if he does. But it's only week six, so now we're going to week seven. So he's due now. But you know, it, God, you think of how well he, you know, how much he could play if he's playing every day. And again, the, the reps are so important. There was no pressure on him because the Cubs were so bad, and it just physically didn't work out again. And so, you know, it's 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 such a it's it's a very painful thing to observe because he hasn't shown his ass. He's always been a class act. He's he's never you know been a dick or you know rude or you know spit back and act like a douche on Twitter or you know you know slapped his girlfriend. He's never been those types of things. But it's just you know it's just frustrating because he's not really getting it done. And there was a lot you know again where he was drafted. You know, again, if you draft a guy in the first round, the, really the goal should be that they're going to be a regular contributor on a major league team. That's what a first round fourth, pick should do. Fourth overall pick. Yeah, I mean, but fourth even I mean, how many? How, you know, how many first round picks or over? No, number one overall picks are in the Hall of Fame. Uh, one. I think it's one or two. Yeah, it's it's like it doesn't really happen. So, and Bryce Harper's headed there though. So we'll, we'll get. But, but like, but like you said, at this point, scouting has advanced so much in the past. You know, even decade that you, when you are picking that high, you do expect a guy to at least be a contributor. He doesn't have to be great every year, or be the superstar, but you do expect him to contribute something. And I mean, the, the, again, the thing, he's just, been healthy, been though. he would have been a contributor. Like he was he contributing on the White Sox. Like July, he was one of their best hitters before he got hurt. Diane's the same thing. Like you said with the Cubs, he's starting to heat up. That's the only reason he hasn't been a contributor. Like he's not uh, a. I mean, you know, I, I like that's the thing. I don't think he's completely like I saw some people be like, yeah, no, Nick Madrigal is going to be out of baseball in a few years. I don't think like, he can. No. He can still hit. He's a, he can he's still right. hit. Uh, but man, I don't know. It's fine. It's, are the white? Are he, is he still getting like treatment from the White Sox or something? Because um, <laughs> but, but you can't wreck that. You know, and and when, with the trade bait stuff too, with with him, the the one thing that you know, a franchise that again is is quite a ways away from com- contending a magical probably fits a little bit of a need if they have like a bigger superstar name that they need to get out and get you know the cubs could go maybe get someone you know i, I unfortunately josh bell's gone from the pirates but like those types of guys like a t- guy that's out you know someone maybe that stands out or that is an up-and-comer for some of these these 
these franchises that are just a half a decade away from really figuring it out, you know, that might be a move because it's a cheap contract for them yeah. while they continue to, to figure it out. But I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> I think this has been the most popular team team uh, in terms of like Cubs fans trying to think of a trade for Nick Madrigal, and that's to the Oakland A's. Because again, Oakland A's very cheap. Of course, mm-hmm. they'd like a player who's still under team control for like four more years. Uh, Cubs, they have Wilson Contreras. They're going to offer him the qualifying offer. Uh, there's really no indication right now if he's going to accept or not. Uh, I think the qual- qualifying offer this year is going to be like at 19 and 19. a half million. Yeah, 19.8. 19.8. Okay, so almost twenty million dollars. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of interested if he would take. Uh, I don't know. It's he's he's going to be 31, a catcher. That's tough. Well, I told uh, you how I feel about the qualifying offer. It's a dick move because now he doesn't get to get really winding down because the QO yep. now has the draft pick attached and nobody wants really to touch that. So, so he's not. Have, 19.8 is a lot for him. It is. <laughs> I mean, he's not going to be. He's not going to get that on AAV for any deal that he signs. But um, then again, Jed said they were going to qualifying offer him. I'll believe it when I see it. That that'd be it tough from, though. That'd be tough because he publicly Jed, said it. This wasn't this wasn't a report. But he, he could like, say that we went back and looked at it, and intelligence spending said that it wasn't that's, investment. That's true. That's true. That's true. The the way these guys talk now, they can work around anything they, oh, yeah. they said directly. Take a page uh, out of the Rick Hahn lawyer school. Of course. <laughs> I said it would be crazy to not do it. But guess what? We're crazy. Like, there's your loophole. <laughs> Look, here's uh, a doctor. So magical for Sean, Mur- Sean Murphy, a good catcher for the Oakland A's. Cubs have Jan Gomes right now for a couple more years at P.J. Higgins. Uh, Miguel Amayo, you know, who's a top prospect a couple years ago, but he had Tommy John surgery. And then I think he had a knee injury uh, after he came back uh, in 2022. So he's not really in the picture anymore, which is sad. Uh, again, never you can never really bank on prospect guys. Um, no. Uh, so that would be an interesting thing. I don't know if the A's would want – they probably want more just because of Madrigal's uh, injury history. Uh, but that's prospect, that's but... definitely a name. Sean Murphy, uh, outside of Madrigal uh, being in, in that uh, – possible trade proposal uh, brought up by uh, Garrick uh, McEwen here in our comments. I think Sean Murphy could be an offseason target for the Cubs. Cubs do need, uh, again, because Wilson Contreras, he's most likely gone. I do think a team will try to sign him to like a like a three-year deal, four, three, four-year deal. Um, again, he's not getting, he's not getting, I don't think he'll get the Grandall contract even. Because what was Grandall's? Three, four for 73? Yeah, that sounds right. I think that's, that's like for a left-handed bat. That's for a left-handed bat too. Like, and and at the, and good 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 defender, good, good, good trainer. Time, yep. Yeah. That's that's the other thing about Wilson Contreras. Wilson Contreras at one time he took strides. I think it was in twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one. He took strides because that was the big complaint about him. He was a terrible framer. Uh, you know, you loved his athleticism behind the plate, but terrible framer. Questions about you know game calling. He took strides, got a little better. But it kind of just plateaued, and you know I love Wilson, love the energy, the, love the passion, the good hitter. Mm-hmm. But at this point, you really are kind of pay, you're going to be paying him mostly for him to DH. I have is, to think too you know. that the way the Cubs put him in bubble wrap for the last almost feels like a year and a half, where he hasn't been catching like he hasn't been catching more than 60 percent of the games. Because I mean, good at it. You're yeah, not sharp though, but but but. It also could be sharp, you know, iron sharpens iron, you know, and he's not out there doing it every day. So, you know, he's that's tough, though, because, I mean, he's been doing it since 2016. It's not like this was year two and they're like, yeah, no, you're you're done. 
Like the, yeah. he had his chance. You knew what he was at that point. Yeah. You, yeah. You don't tend to get a better, def- be a better I, I was always a defender. Like even with the, you know, the electronic uh, strike zone coming, I was like, yeah, fuck, who the fuck cares if he's a bad uh, framer or not? Cause they're going to be called by robots anyway, but it's the other no. stuff too. Just like handling the staff. Uh, some, some of those numbers can also be skewed. Cause like, you know, what if he's catching like, crappy pitchers like yeah they're gonna have a worse era with them it's true um so i don't know or can't hit their spots or you know there's a lot that goes into it but some some of those things are a little you know a little funky to see but there's i mean there is a there is a difference in like defensively when we saw you know wilson Contreras and a guy like young gomes you know a veteran guy who's you know defense first a little a little you know production with his bat and he's kind of turned around at the end but i think the cubs are going to be in the market for a catcher Christian Vasquez, who's got traded to the Astros from the Red Sox uh, in the middle of the year, he said, I saw a story in MLB trade rumors, how he was like, yeah, I kind of wish I was playing more, uh, and he's going to be a free agent. He's like, yeah, but I'm going to want to go to a team that's going to be give, give me more playing time. The Cubs can split that those catching duties with him. So that's, I think that's yeah. a name to look up. He for. was really well-liked, too, in, in Boston. Boston before mm-hmm. he, he got traded. Like, they were pissed. They, like, because I, I remember reading when Madrigal or not Madrigal, um, McGuire went up there, and they, there was not they were like there was an article written, and they were like saying it was nothing against Reese, but they're like, yeah, he was a really good locker room guy. Like they were not happy when they got traded. So talk about so, good fits in a clubhouse. Could be some of these pick up for the Cubs. There's some of these catcher names that are out available as a free agent. You got Contreras, Mike Zunino well, from Devil Rays, right? From the Rays. Yes. Yep. Zunino. You got Omar Narvaez. I like him too, Narvaez. Mm-hmm. Former son. Uh, he was a stud. What is he? Gotti, isn't he Gotti the World Baseball Classic coach for, for Puerto someone? Rico? Yeah. yeah. Um, but then you look at everything else and it's like Austin Hedges, minus 0.5 war. Uh, Stephen Voigt, yeah. 0.6. Okay. Kurt Suzuki, minus 1.3. So there's not a That's lot a of Those, the last three guys you named are retiring. Yeah. I think so, it's Voigt, Suzuki. There isn't a single pressure. There's, there's, Dana. Two catchers with a war over four and not a single catcher. Or there's only two with a war over three, excuse me. And only four catchers that had a 2.0 war or better in 2022. So what not if, a great market. What if the, I think the, the bigger names are going to be, well, not bigger names. I still think uh, Narvaez, I think he's coming off a down year offensively. I, I think he's been very solid since he uh, was with Seattle and then uh, the Brewers last few years. The I saw something on Bleacher Nation. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays have a f- like insane uh, catching depth. They have like three legit starting options, and they could be looking to trade out. They have Alejandro Kirk, uh, uh, Danny Jensen. Uh, oh, I forget the third guy's name. He was a rookie who came up, and he mashed. That could be a thing. Like maybe uh, I know there was talks about you know the Cubs were thinking about having contract extension talks with Ian Happ and Nico Horner, but Ian Happ was in trade talks all summer long. Toronto was one of the teams that was interested. Maybe you work out a deal there. Maybe possibly. You know, there's, you got to find something. And and that backstop, I, you know, I mean, gosh, remember back in the day when, I don't know, it was like two years ago when it only mattered, you know, a catcher was a good defensive catcher. If they hit 180, who gave a shit? I mean, they, the Cubs manager, the current Cubs manager made a living as a catcher, as like a one eighty hitter, like yeah. you, you take the good defense and and you say fuck it, we're gonna we're gonna, especially with the DH now, but like we'll take that little gaping hole. 
uh, in the eight hole at this point. And uh, as long as you can, you know, be a great handler of pitchers, because it does matter. It's it's a very important integral part of the game is how your guy behind the dish, how your backstop handle handles your staff. But, and right now, the Cubs' strength is is their pitching. Yep. Uh, so you that is that. a big part of what they need. Uh, I, I did want to bring this up, another Cubs thing. Um, so, Kevin, you talk, you laid it out perfectly how, you know, if you're a competing team, you're looking to compete, you want to narrow the margin of errors, uh, you want as many short things as you can get. The Cubs uh, are going to be in the market for starting pitching. Uh, I think there's uh, saw a report, uh, Maddie Lee from the, also the Chicago Sun-Times, she said uh, last week that the Cubs were going to be in contact with Drew Smiley, try to re-sign him. I think that would be a solid move, a lefty. Uh, starting pitcher. He was great uh, when he wasn't injured this year. Uh, so that'd be a solid move for the back end of the rotation, but they still need a top guy. Yeah. Uh, the biggest name, the two biggest names that they've been linked to so far is been Carlos Rodon. Uh, he's going to be, he's probably, he's going to get a qualifying offer after he opts out with the giants. Uh, so, you know, you have to worry about the draft pick compensation, but again, Cubs, if they're serious, they shouldn't really worry about whatever yeah. draft pick they're going to lose. Because uh, I think it's going to be after the second round or something like that. Uh, or after the first round? I forget. Uh, but you also think that if they lose Wilson, they get that comp pick back. They do, they get, I think that that's the one. If they lose Wilson and then he signs with the qualifying offer, uh, they'll get a pick after the second. Uh, just because they're a bigger market team. Another Jack. Uh, Astros? Oh, my God. He hit the <laughs> train track. Montes. Oh, there you go. No, Pena. Excuse me. Pena off oh, Montes. Pena? Oh, man. Pena. Oh, Montes. Remember the, remember the remember that move was great. Yes. Um, so for the Cubs, Carlos Rodon uh, apparently interest there from the Cubs, and then the other big free agent name so far, at least that they've been linked to, is from Japan, Kodai Senga. He's going to be thirty, I believe. Uh, he's been just elite pitcher for ten years. I think he's coming off like a sub two ERA uh, in one hundred and forty innings in two thousand twenty two. Uh, you know, like. A, well, 159 strikeouts to 50 walks, you know, great control, doesn't give give up home runs. But Kevin, like you like you said, you want uh you want as many sure things as you can get. Yes, he's a star in Japan. How will he translate to MLB? Do you have enough trust in the Cubs scouting that if they believe that they're gonna commit a big amount of money to this guy, that yes, they do believe he is in. Chicago Bulls, whatever Bulls win. Yeah, they took an in game at almost plus two hundred. There you go, Kevin. Are the Bulls are the Bulls better with that Zach Levine? No, not uh, <laughs> 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 true. <laughs> go to win. Let's not. I mean, the data shows, Mitch. They're one and zero without him. That's a one thousand win. He came out of his shoes on that swing. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kevin, do you want? Do you want? And that's the thing. Carlos Rodon really he is he a sure thing because he does have injury history but so do you take that over uh kodai senga coming over from japan if you're the cubs who is your preferred target well both have a risk one is a health risk one is a adaptivity to the major league game risk um we've seen pitchers come over from overseas that were great um like otani and you've seen some that came over that were not so great so you know you got to just which, which one which one gives you the least amount of risk and the most uh, the most acceptable floor. And I think they have commiserate ceilings, to be honest. But, you know, which one has the floor is injury worries 
less important than the has this guy can this guy get outs at the major league level. At least you know with Rodon, he can get outs when healthy. Well, I'll tell you, speaking if you know if I'm if I'm the Rickett family, I know who I'd want and be saying because he's getting all did these Japanese baseball players bring with them a huge following and a huge fan base. See how mm-hmm. big Otani is. You bring in another one, you're getting a lot of money there. Imagine if they trade for Otani and then they sign him and they've got Seiya. I mean, they're well, sitting on a gold mine for marketing. Well, a little... You're the Houston Rockets of. Hey, well, who's Carlos Rodon bringing in for marketing? His wife has some fun tweets. That's about yeah, it. There you go. Look at that. You know, but we had to already deal with what's his name's uh Sogard's wife on Twitter. We don't need any more. Oh, We're good. Yeah. Uh, I was gonna say uh, a little background stuff uh, with that. I'm talking about Senga, Otani, uh, and Seiya Suzuki. Uh, uh, Kodai Senga, uh, he's signed with the Wasserman Group, who that uh agency represents you, Darvish, who gave advice to Seiya Suzuki under the same uh agency who I also think represents Shohei Otani. So, you know, you Darvish are basically, I think Say Suzuki was between the San Diego Padres and the Chicago Cubs. And you Darvish had a, like dinner, like a meeting, talk with Say Suzuki. Again, you Darvish, a member of the San Diego Padres, was that, yeah, dude, Chicago is great. You would love it there. Go there. <laughs> so, hey, you start talking to Senga. And then, and then, oh, by the way, Shohei Otani already uh, criticizing the Angels had a bad taste left in his mouth after. after Hold on. All right, what was it, Ken? Because again, I did did only read the headline. Let's pump the brakes and not read the headline. I only read that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, first off, translation, but he said, and I quote, he said, it was a good season for me personally. He said, "Oh wow, he's a me guy." So I have a rather, you know, we 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 lost, you know, we're not able to play as many good games as I would like, including 14 consecutive losses. And then he said, "So I have a rather negative impression of this season." That's it. That's what he. That's what was taken into context. I have a negative impression of this season. Guess what? If you're on the Cubs, doesn't everybody in that clubhouse have a negative? uh, Negative. Have uh, you heard the guys talking that second half? They're, oh yeah, no. you didn't win. You didn't. We were on a 500 team. I have a negative impression of you. If you don't think that you have a negative impression of the season, he was basically saying it's. fucking up his guys. But this is a great way for the you know the media to jump into this. It sells. You know, gets clicks. It's 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 not. I I, I assure you that that Otani's not bad mouthing the Angels. I don't think the dude's got a bone like that in his body. But he can't. He's okay to say I'm not stoked about this season because it sucked. We didn't go to the playoffs. We started out strong. We were in first place and we faded. My manager got got canned, and you know. It was, you know, we had a GM that's a jack wagon who put his locker in the coach's locker room with his assistant. This is weird shit going on. It's not fun there. But no, you're com- I, you're he was talking right. about the wins and the losses, especially in the context of the whole quote. Um, I don't think, but but that doesn't mean he doesn't want to be a cub. I mean, I, I, mean, I can put words in his mouth too. <laughs> and way, I think he needs his dog Wrigley. Cubs, when Shohei Otani was coming over from Japan, the Cubs were in his top six. He did like the Cubs, but he just wanted feel more comfortable being on yep. the west coast mm-hmm. so he does have a familiarity with the cubs likes the cubs knows about chicago um loves, loves deep dish loves loves tavern loves, style i heard he loves, loves tavern, tavern style. style that's what loves tavern style. Uh, 
I was gonna say, mm-hmm. like, any, any times when it comes to like, uh, trans, especially when you translate quotes from a different language, mm. like a lot, like it's we're going off like Google Translate. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a disingenuous part of the media. This is why he doesn't speak to the media yeah. very often. You hear a lot of complaints about it because whenever he does, like take it out of context, it's like he's yeah. taken out of context. People run with it, so yeah. I don't blame him for not wanting. No. to. No. Mitch, I wanted no. to ask you. We brought him <laughs> up briefly part. earlier. Uh, so, I mean, let's just take away from the, the reports that like, cause it just seemed like the, the White Sox are just going to hand the reins at first base to Andrew Vaughn. Uh, but like outside of that thinking, w- Anthony Rizzo is going to opt out cause he had a monster year with the Yankees. Would you sign him if he became available and was interested? No, it makes no sense. If you're getting rid of a Brayu, like. Why are we bringing in another first baseman? I thought the whole problem was we had too many first basemen. At that point, just move Andrew Vaughn back to right field. And it's nothing against Anthony Rizzo. Like he's having a fine season. Um, his power numbers are back up. Like good for him. But if, it makes no sense. Like the people that say bring back Bell or bring like bring in Rizzo, that what? Why are we getting rid of a Brave at that point? Because we can get him. Hey, Rizzo can't play the outfield either. Like exactly. Like he can move on, move on, like, right. He could put on his little Chris Elliott scary movie two glove. Oh, I'm gonna, check hey, Andrew, I'm gonna teach you how to play center field. You're like, <laughs> I can pitch though. Rizzo can pitch though. They were saying, and Chuck Garfine was talking on his podcast that there was rumblings before he signed with the Yankees that Rizzo was not opposed to signing with the White Sox. Like he, he was very intrigued to come to the South Side. So yeah, he left Chicago. He left yeah. Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I got to figure out. I'm trying to figure. I told you this on our DMs. I'm trying to figure out who this ex Cub that's getting married on uh, the weekend of November fifth and sixth is. I'm really, I'm gonna really dig deep on this because ex Cub. We lost, we lost two golfers for our golf tournament. Dexter Fowler and obviously KB. They both can't make it. They're both going to the same wedding. It has to be a former Cub, right? Matt, so it has to be someone from the 2015 or 16 team because that's when Dexter Fowler was with the Cubs. I'm trying to do some math here, like Ben Zobers going to renew his vows with crazy, you know. Uh, uh, I hope not, just for Ben Zobers' sake. Um, <laughs> who was on that team? Oh, well, I mean, David Ross did get divorced recently, and I think God, is he with somebody? Hmm. That could be. Even it. though that I, would be very, that would be very tricky saying ex Cub because he's currently the manager of the Cubs. <laughs> I know I could just probably ask, but I think being a de- uh, being a detective is way more fun. So, like, um, Mitch, <laughs> second base. I was looking at second base options against. They're pretty crappy, but I, I thought this name was pretty interesting. I think he can. I think. Well, I think it it has to come from the team being kind of cheap sometimes. But uh, Colton Wong from the Brewers. I think the Brewers have a team option on him. He had a good year uh, offensively, bounce back year. Yeah, club option. Uh, great defender at second base, lefty five, bat. Five for war, five war. Given the, I mean, given the options we have, I wouldn't be. I mean, there's not a whole lot of good options. That's there's not. I don't know. Those guy Adam Frazier's a free agent. There you go. Four point seven <laughs> war. Hello. Ah, yeah. That's an, I mean, I would take Colton Wong over the alternative, which has been like, hey, maybe we can teach Elvis Andrews to play second base. Jonathan VR. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> hey, remember we thought Jonathan VR was going to be the guy at third base? <laughs> For like four days. <laughs> End up a little wrong on that one. Um, got cut by two teams this year, I think. I think he also I got think cut by the, the Angels. The fact that they're not going to – the second base probably won't be solved. Like, honestly – no, come on, Mitch. It has to because I, I think I think the plan right now is I think they're gonna count on like sheets to begin 
And then they're going to be like, all right, Oscar Colas, you're the guy in right field. Yeah. Like eventually. I think oh, that is their plan. I, I would that's be what if he started the season in right field. So I think like the main – and like obviously they're going to have Vaughn at first base. First base. Hilo is going to be DHing a lot. And then A.J. Pollock is probably going to, you know, opt back in. And he's going to be the left fielder unless they trade him. But then – so uh, there is only one space that you would need to fill, and that is second base. That makes it very easy for Rick Hahn. Hey, Rick, just focus on second base. Like, they have to, right? They have to. No, not really. They can be like, <laughs> Mendek looked pretty good before he went down with injury. I mean, give him uh, I like Danny Mendek, but he's not – I don't know if I want to trot him out at all, 162 games. I mean, he's he can lawyer talk his way into promoting someone within the organization and – like Danny Mendick right now, I think would have, like as Brian said in the chat, like he's probably gonna he's he's gonna get a good shot. Like oh, probably gonna man. be the starting second baseman. Hmm. Well, that's sad. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds See? me of uh, back in like 2016 when uh, <laughs> I think it was Tyler Saladino. Uh, oh. <laughs> he was given the shot at uh, what was it third base maybe or short yeah. shortstop. He, well, he played a couple different spots. He yeah. started, he came up as a third baseman. And then they were playing him at short before Tim Anderson. Yeah. And I think I, I remember I was, I was writing some like preseason, uh, just like season preview for the Sox, And I was like, there's no way the Sox are going to be good. Cause like, how the hell are you counting on Tyler Saladino? And like, you would be, you would be surprised, but there is a diehard Tyler Saladino fans out there who are like, no, he's good. Hey, I like Tyler Saladino. He had the mustache. He fit with that crappy team. Like, that was a fun guy to root for. He knew he wasn't very good, but damn it, he was one of our guys. He had the cool mustache. I like it. Would you guys say Tyler Tyler Saladino? And all I hear in my head is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Tyler Saladino. Now, that's a name I've not heard. (laughs) (laughs) Samsung Lions of the KBO. That's where. That's right. right. The KBO, he hasn't played. So He got cut from the Samsung Lions. In 2020. I mean, that's going to be us in a few years coming. We're like, remember Frank Schwindel? Oh. Remember that guy? <laughs> I mean, maybe so though, about that. Han, and it's part of the reason they're getting with it. Like, they're, they're not bringing back a brand. Maybe they truly are going to have a major shakeup. Like, he's like, all right, this clearly didn't work. We're blowing it up. Because there was a report that only two guys were untradeable. And it was Vaughn and C. So maybe, you know, maybe they shock us all and they make a big trade, and it's not the same old White Sox lineup they uh, they trot out. So hold out a little bit of hope. We shall hey, see. Side note, guys, um, is it me or does Aaron Boone look like Andy Serkis, the guy that played Gollum in Lord of the Rings? Yeah. <laughs> Every time I see a picture of him, I'm like Andy Serkis. Uh, wait, what? So here, let me just do a little quick. Uh, is he is is Andy Serkis? Is Aaron Boone actually the CGI version of Gollum. And so hold on. Let me just. So this is Andy Circus. Right? Okay. okay Keep that okay. in your head. Now this is uh Aaron, our podcast listeners. Ribbing, yes, podcast people, use your imagination. Kevin, use Kevin uh, you have to describe their faces. <laughs> All right, so there, and then there's Aaron Boone. Like I mean, I don't know. I'm on TV. I've seen Andy Circus enough, like shaven, that I'm like, 
Maybe maybe the mouth. It's his nose. What it's the nose. Actually. It's the nose. We gave Gollum a Yankee hat. Maybe I can see it. Well, <laughs> he doesn't look like Andy Circus doesn't look like Gollum either, and he's actually pretty swole. Actually, he's not an ugly dude. By but, the way, you brought up the Yankees. Um, we I think we we mentioned him at the end of the year when uh, Aaron Judge was uh, going for the Yankees home run record. Roger Maris Jr. I said at the time, like, yeah, he's like stepping up for his dad. Like, that's fine, whatever. But he tweeted out uh, Wednesday morning, like, it was so nice to see that the uh, all-time single-season uh, home run leader in the NL hit a home run, Gene Carter Stanton, and the all-time season uh, uh, home run leader, Aaron Judge, hit a home run. It was so good to see. Like, dude, shut the fuck up. You're like, your time is done. You had your, like, week where you got to, you know, pop up your dad. You, you had the real home run record. Just go away, dude. Calm your shit, bro. You are somebody's sperm. Act like it. Relax, bro. You haven't hit a curveball that far in your life, so relax. Okay? You were literally the fastest swimmer in a sack. That's what you were. Okay? Congratulations. You're fast. So, no, that stuff's so insane. Like, again, well, we can. that's a debate for, I'm sure, another day when we when we have nothing to talk about in the offseason, but come on. Come on. Come uh, on. I saw that in the morning. Call him. Call Passes. All right, playoff talk. Has Ooh. anything surprised you guys? Yes. The Padres, their pitching is held up. I was pounding on the table since the trade deadline saying they don't have enough pitching. I was wrong. Would not I be the first time. Uh, but yeah, they they look uh, they look pretty good. Uh, so, I mean, the Phillies have been kind of surprising too. So, how about I mean, that? This is a perfect example, uh, just relating it back to our teams. All you have to do is just get in there. You have a shot. You're always going to have a shot. How many times have we said that on the show? We've said that. Just get there. Oh, and then just get out of them. Yep. And how about 111 wins? The Dodgers, I this hate, is great. Because the Dodgers won the most games in franchise history. 111 games. Bye. You know, that's the thing. Like the Dodgers, I hate the talk of like, oh, like, look at the Dodgers. They just they just choke artists. Guys. It's hard. It's 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 just hard. It's just a fucking random, it's the most random thing. I know everyone says, like, oh, and it's held the playoffs, you know, you always get the huge upsets. And yeah, that is true. Like the MLB playoffs are kind of the same, guys. Like the best team rarely wins. You know that were the Cubs the last no, was it Cubs or the Astros the last best record to actually win the World Series? And how many wild cards? How many wild cards have won it in the time in 20 years? How many wild cards compared to best record in baseballs have won? I don't know the number, but I'm sure that wild cards are pretty close. Mm -hmm. And now, especially this year, you're going to get at least one wild card in the World Series. So I mean, you know, I, th I think I definitely remember the Giants winning it as a wild card. I think the Marlins in 03, they were a wild card. 28. I know 28. the Royals made it as a wild card, a wild card. to the World Series. Uh, I mean, this year, one of the NL teams is going to be a yep. wild card team. There you go. The 2018 Red Sox. They had 108 wins. There you go. They finished they first. The they won the World Series over the Dodgers, who won. The, but the Dodgers had... Wait, did the Dodgers have the best record in baseball, though? No, they had 92 wins. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, the most wins. Yeah, here we go. It's like, and that's the other Dodgers thing. I think Thank the you, Dodgers, I mean, they've won the division oh. how many oh, years God. in a row? Anthony Rizzo just hit a homer. <laughs> I won't say that. Kind of a hot take here. Anthony. I, I like Bob Costas, especially when he called the final out and goes, perhaps the only one that deserves the mockery is Naylor. I was like, yes. I agree with that call. And I, I enjoy all the jokes on Twitter about him. I think he's constant entertainment. <laughs> he go off on the tangents, some random stories. He's a very hey, comfortable Mitch. boy. 
Mitch, I'm with, I think I know in a one game sample, yes. But if you hear him, like if it's a five or a seven game series and you hear him every day, <laughs> no, it's a bit much. That's it's just Bob Costas loves himself some Bob Costas. Oh, absolutely. Oh. <laughs> Have you seen some of these tweets, though? I appreciate it. Josh Taylor, who is the White Sox biggest pain in the ass probably all season. Uh, but we've talked about him on the show, how we don't like him. And the final call of that series was about mocking Josh Taylor, <laughs> made up for all of the long soliloquies. That, <laughs> why not? By the way, Josh Taylor. These tweets. So, Bob Costas. Class will finish the game just like the sand slipped through the hourglass on a season. So, too, this occurs in the endeavor that we call life. It's not just the winter of the Guardian season, but also humanity. Ron Darling, that last pitch was a cutter. <laughs> <laughs> you can just Google, search on Twitter Bob Costas and have like a field day with everyone like writing up these things. It is. They're all over here. Like we've been here in Cleveland where the slight autumn chill and the air is bleak reminder of the chilling fact that each day we are spiraling towards the unavoidable conclusion we call death. Ron, Ron Darling. So good. With Josh Naylor, Josh Naylor is the, is the guy. Obviously, everybody outside of Cleveland like hates him, laughs at him. It's like you're a fucking dickhead. However, I do have to say, Josh Naylor, he can give it out and he can take it too. Because he said after the game, when they, when the Yankees fans were mocking him, you know, when Glaber Torres was doing, he was making fun of him too. He said like, yeah, I mean, I I had all of Yankee Stadium on me. That's I dreamed that as a kid. I mean, obviously, he's you know. A little bullshit there because obviously he'd want to win, but as I always say, as long as you give it out, but you can take it, it's all fair game. This, this is what it's all about. That's why it it was he was an asshole because again that home run that you get hit off of Garrett Cole and he's like you're my bait, you're my son, whatever. Like that was a home run to cut the lead. Like that wasn't <laughs> even to tie the game. That wasn't to put your team ahead. Like that was just an all like look at me guys, which is fine. But you are open to getting mocked, mocked. Like Absolutely. straight to hell, and he did, but he still took in stride. Zoe will be happy to know, by the way, Josh Donaldson has three Ks tonight. He, he will like that. <laughs> the best call ever from Bob Costas, unfortunately, is this. It's not Basio this time, it's Madden, and that means a change. <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah. Well, wait for it. Come on, Bob. Mod is on his way in. Strope is on his way out, pointing toward the heavens. We can only ask or wonder that he is asking some departed relative for forgiveness for this atrocious performance. <laughs> oh, <laughs> silence too, right? Like after that, before they cut yeah. the break, like you can tell they're like, "What the fuck did you just?" <laughs> so good. That kind of reminds me. Of I'm sure we all saw the Monday night game, Denver uh, against the Chargers. And at the end, Dustin Hopkins, he gets interviewed. And the first thing he says, and again, I'm not making, like, believing what you can believe, but immediately he says, I want to, uh, you know, uh, say thank you to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I, if Dustin Hopkins or any other guy who does that, because there's a lot of guys, there's a lot of guys in sports who do that, I need the same stuff when something goes bad. If Dustin, if the next time Dustin Hopkins has a game-winning field goal and he misses it badly, I want, George, the reporter, I want the sideline reporter right on him, and I want him to say, before anything else, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because <laughs> it, it reminded me of, uh, I forget if it was Derrick Rose's first or second knee injury with the, when he was with the Bulls. 
Uh, it might have been the second one when he tore it against the Portland. And I think afterwards, I don't know if it was directly after the game or maybe a few days later when he was talking to the media, but I recall him saying, like, you know, like, man, this is just all part of God's plan. It's like, hey, Derrick Rose, he stayed consistent. Yeah. Let's be honest. God's giving props to when things were going good, but when things went bad, it's like, hey, the guy upstairs has a plan. I always tell him. I tell yeah. our players this. God, A, isn't rooting for anybody. He's just rooting for a good ball game, first off. He didn't give two shits who wins, right? Um, but at the same time, like, it is – you can actually tell who, like – again, because there are dudes that they won't even do an interview if they lose. At least you got some guy that's like, yeah, you know, this is, you know, God's plan is to teach me something. I'm going to learn something here. Uh, perhaps it's, you know, to hit the cage or maybe the weight room, but whatever <laughs> it is. But those are some of my favorite quotes. I mean, that's Russell Wilson last night uh, or Monday night, the other night. I mean, that was 100% him because he's got like a quad injury now with his shoulder. But mm-hmm. that, the it, it cracks me up too that they when they say this stuff. But I do, I, I'm going to interrupt one more time because we did talk about Bob Costas. This is actually my favorite Bob Costas call. I know. Ball, Harry Coyle, 1 1 pitch. So I want to say rest in peace to Bruce Suter, uh, the the man who gave up that home run to Ryan Sandberg and one of the greatest afternoon experiences I've ever had watching baseball with my aunt Zell, my great aunt Zell, who passed away obviously a long time ago because she was old. Um, but that was a uh, uh, that's a call right there. That was old Bob. See the younger generation seeing Bob Costas now and going, "This guy's a snoozer." Bob Costas at one point was the standard along with Al Michaels for any kind of broadcasting event, whether it was baseball, the Olympics, whatever. He was really good. He's just, it's, he, it, he time, called Josh Naylor. He's a winner in my book. Time is fleeting. Our, <laughs> our brains are devolving as we age every day. I'm living proof of that as well, but that's, you know, but you can also, thank God for the, the journey and uh, <laughs> got pink eyed during the, uh, what Olympics was that? Oh yeah. That's a, that's a tough scene. Like pink eye was so bad enough. <laughs> uh, but when you're just like, uh, on NBC, uh, being seen by millions and millions like oh that guy is pink guy <laughs> like he was <laughs> he was uh, i mean he was like forget it so and other he... postseason thoughts we'll get to the nascar match in a bit uh because i do i nascar is popping off on my on my feet damn like, right it is happening it had a big weekend this weekend yeah, we'll I, I like, okay, okay uh before we get to we'll get to that in a minute so any any other uh, playoff uh, thoughts here? So it's Astros, Yankees, ALCS, Padres, Phillies, NLCS. A uh, lot of big upsets, but you know Astros they're still getting it done. Poor Mariners, shout out to that <laughs> eighteen inning game, <laughs> one nothing. That was brutal. Uh, so who do you guys got in each championship series? Astros in six. Then I would. I keep picking against the Phillies, and it keeps biting me in the ass. So I, I, I want to say the Dodgers, but like, my head saying, go okay. in, not the Dodgers, the Padres. Uh, but because of that, I'm going against my instincts. I've been wrong the last few times, and I'm picking the Phillies, even sure. though I want to pick the Padres. Kevin, you've been on the Phillies, Phillies since the playoffs started. Astros and six. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm so it's just so hard for me. Uh, Honestly, I'm I'm I, with 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 the uh, American League. I, screw the Yankees. I'm sorry. I I just I can't. I can't. I can't do it. I can't. I can't do it with Yankee fans. I can't do it with Mets fans. I just so it has to. It's by default. It's like voting for the lesser of two evils. 
sucks. So, but you want the cheaters to win. I don't give two shits who wins the AL. I want the NL to win the World Series. So with the Phillies, obviously there's the Vegas boys. You got you got Bryce. You got you know got uh, Bryson Stott. You've got you know obviously our guy uh, Kyle Schwarber who hit a ball that hasn't landed yet last night. Um, he literally that guy he hit that ball so hard that pitcher's mom died. Um, and you have um, you know a, a team that that was down. This is, they're one of the really rare examples. I think the Marlins of 2003 actually might be one of them too. Where if they fire a manager midseason and it really rocks off a fantastic run, it doesn't happen. This is again, this is example one of like out of like fifteen. So everyone's like, look at look, see they fired him in the one. Yes, that's one for fifteen. Do you want that hitter in the batter's box? No, it doesn't work that way. Look at the Angels. Um, but you see these two teams, then you see the Padres who went all in. I, I told you, I texted you guys this in, in our DM. When the Padres were playing, and it was game one against the Dodgers, and I actually messaged you, I don't know if you remember this, but I'm like, this series feels like the 2015 Cubs-Cardinals series where the Cubs finally got that Cardinal monkey off their back by beating the Cardinals in the, in the playoffs. And it was like, it opened up like a five-year period where the Cubs were just better than the Cardinals. And it was like, ah, screw you, Card- we, ooh, It's like if the Bears were better than the Packers for like half a decade. It felt wonderful. It would feel wonderful. I don't know about that if ever going to happen, but the Jordan Love era can start sooner or later. But um we, you know, that that's so that that's a cool special spot. I, I'm happy the Dodgers are out again, but I don't know, man. I, I think I, I gotta go with the Phillies just because I'm rooting for the Vegas boys. I just Philly fans are so also, other than the, the group that hangs out, Patty Pub, Patty's Pub, they're also kind of insufferable sometimes. But this would be a cool year for Philadelphia. Definitely You've got- home field advantage, though. Like that crowd was loud against the Braves. Like certain crowd, like I mean, all playoff crowds are like loud, but like there's some where you can tell. You can like, tell the difference. Yep. Like the White Sox, that first blackout game, like the game three, you tell it was mm-hmm. like different. The Phillies, it's the same thing. Like they're into it. And that is like if you're facing an elimination game in Philly, that's tough. And we saw how the Braves handled it. They crumbled under the pressure. Big spot right there. Wow. Presley's. I uh I've always liked or ever since he came to the Cubs, I've always liked you Darvish rooting for him. So mm-hmm. I, the pod, I like I, if the Phillies win, I'd be cool with that too. Like Schwarber, like Har- like Harper, like I think Cubs fans and White Sox fans, we can just always be like, "What the fuck? Why didn't you sign Bryce Harper?" That's gonna go on for years and years and years. I said the same thing about Schwarber what? and even Castellanos. I know he's had a down year, but like to say, like there's two guys on that team. The, the, the other thing I was going to say is I like that the four teams remaining right now is the Houston Astros, New York Yankees, San Diego Padres, Philadelphia Phillies. These are four teams that have gone all in. Their payrolls yep. are high. So I, so we don't get to hear the bullshit. Oh, you don't have to see you. You can be Cleveland. You don't have to spend a lot of money to win. Like, no, it's, it's good to sign good players. People, the, the San Diego this? Padres, if you look at the Padres, I don't think they have like any like homegrown guys. Mm. Like they're all mostly free agents and yeah. trades. Yeah, because Tatis is uh, I don't know, out Trade? riding his motorcycle or or suspended or whatever. Yeah, he's not even playing. And but look at this too. When you look at these rosters, you Darvish traded prior to the two thousand and what twenty season was it twenty or two thousand twenty one two thousand twenty one season? Kyle Schwarber non tendered before the two thousand and twenty two season. Anthony Rizzo traded to the Yankees. For during the 2021 season, those three guys are difference makers on three different teams right now that are playing in the postseason. And if those guys could have been on this Cubs roster, imagine where the Cubs would be today right now if they just would have not tried to have to basically re- reboot the entire computer and instead go for it and say fuck it. The window when the window closes, then we'll then we'll start. But they didn't. 
They 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 closed the window when there was probably a year left to at least go for it. I mean, let's be honest. The day that you Darvish was traded, the That's Cubs the day pick was in. That was the day it ended. It ended with the Darvish trade. Yeah, and that the bigger thing was because they just hand, they immediately kneecapped the starting rotation. Yep. So you took your ace. Race. You, you you took your ace. You replaced him with a shitty pitcher, Zach Davies. Uh, and then you're like, yeah, like yeah, we're we're giving these guys a shot. And then like your fucking number three pitcher was Jake Arrieta. And the Cubs, like, no, you and, didn't and, give this team a shot. <laughs> you got to give credit to the to the guys in the Cubs roster up until June. They were in first place all the way up until the yep. no hitter against the Dodgers, and then the wheels came off after that. Was it a Sunday night or a Saturday night? And then at that point, everything yeah. just fell apart. But they they kept it together for almost three months without that oh, right. because they wanted to win. And the Cubs, because I, I, I know I, I know KB had said the goal was to play so well that by the trade deadline that we were still in it at the trade deadline and they had to do the opposite. They had to make moves because we're right there. And they almost made it. They almost made it. They were a month out from having that squad where they were going to force Jed's hand and they were going to have to go for it. And and unfortunately that, 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 I don't know if it was a, if if someone was like pulling on the earlobe or whatever and say, Hey Rossi, let's get some shit lineups out there. Let's go. Or if it was a, just a, no, I mean, I mean, as much as I love those guys, they, they kind of just shit the bed. Everyone fell apart. Yep. It just, it just died. Um, it ran out of gas. So I think about, I'm going to go with uh, the, the gas shows. I mean, they're just so fucking good. Uh, again, the cheating stuff. But I mean, I think it's eight years in a row now. Yeah. Championship series. They're just a good fucking organization. They've, yeah, they've proven that. It's um, crazy what happens when they, you have a first, well, a first well, overall pick. Like they six lose. In a row. <laughs> you, you lose a star like Correa. No problem. You lose no a guy problem. like Springer. No problem. Like that's how you can tell they're one well-run organization. Because mm-hmm. didn't uh, Michael Brantley get hurt? Hasn't he been injured like the whole year? Yeah, or almost the whole year. Sure yeah, helps they, me they draft well. Right, because that's what the Cubs screwed up. Is the Cubs yep. didn't draft well. Jed and Theo. Well, well again, if you're going to give Theo guff for it, you got to give Jed guff for it. If you're going to give Jed credit for now and all the trades he's done now and everything that's going now, then you're going to also give him the the, the discredit for later because. You know, either he's all of it or he's none of it. You know what I mean? And they 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 screwed that up. The Cubs screwed that up royally, man. They had an opportunity. Look at the Dodgers, their resurgence. Look at the Astros and their resurgence. They kept a healthy minor league system the entire time. And it shows now because you can let a Correa go and you've got prospects and it's a next man up mentality throughout the organization. And, and it worked. Um, the Dodgers still have seven players in the top 100 prospects. Think about that for a second. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the only thing that's creepier than that is that the fact that Baltimore Orioles, as good a season as they had, will have the number one pick. Or will they have the number one pick? Or no, it's a lottery this year, isn't it? It's a lottery. Yeah, yeah no, they're so. going to be drafting like in the middle, in the middle. Of, uh, but they know, don't they have somebody else's pick? Do they? I thought they had somebody else. I thought that they were like the projected. Oh no, they had the first pick this year. I'm excuse me, they had the yeah. first pick this year. Sorry, and then they were yeah. contending. Sorry. Sorry about that. Yeah. Um, you know that that was the, that was a great story about the the Orioles that they had the number one pick and then they were still like kind of in the wild card race. Uh, yeah. So and then I'm still gonna go with the Padres. I still like the Padres a lot. So it'd be good. Also, I don't know. I, again, if the Phillies win, cool. But I like the Padres. Uh, and then, hey, I got a question. Let's go, let's, though, go pa- let's go Padres over Houston. Okay, I'm taking Houston in five. Anybody in the <laughs> NL over over the AL? Oh, you're gonna out. be you're gonna be with Zoe wearing those hats. He's gonna be wearing an AL hat. You're gonna be wearing an NL hat. No, no, Zoe wants an NL hat. No, he He's wants an NL team to win. But if I'm just going pay, like I think the Astros are just, I think they're the cream of the crop. They're, just, the final yeah, four. they're just very good. I just I want to buy my friend Al that uh, American League umpires <laughs> hat. That's all. 
<laughs> It'd be great. You got a hat with your name on it, man. That's sweet. All right. But so I have a question for you real quick, Aldo. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, it's a name that's not being dropped as much because probably, I mean, you think he's probably going to resign with Atlanta, but what about Dansby Swanson? Why is his name not being mentioned right now? No, in he the, is, in the, he is, but I think a lot is because the Braves have done a good job of just re-signing like all their guys that they like. I think the expect or not the expectation, but I think there's a lot of buzz like they, that they really like and they want to resign him. Uh, and then, I mean, I think I talked talk about it briefly last week, but the, those numbers are, they just kind of remind me of Javier Baez. Well, he's got what? Let's look at it. He's got a 5 7 he had, war. He's had a great year offensively this year. Shout out to him. But overall, it's kind of like the defense is great. The defense is uh, better than Baez was at shortstop for those years. He is he is a top uh, defender at shortstop, but the offense scares me. 25 plus homers the last two no, seasons. Great year, but just one year. But 167 strikeouts and 182 strikeouts. But he does take walks, 52 walks, 49 walks. I mean, that's not horrible. His on-base percentage is, uh, ooh, last year was 311. That's not great. Yeah, uh, the man, on the other hand, is great, but not the, the stat. No, look, the look, what is his career on-base percentage? 321. Yeah. I what mean, is it's hot? just, Javi's like in the low 300s, I think. I think. Let's see, Javi's career OBP is 278. Oh no, that was this year. Sorry, <laughs> my bad. Uh, his career is three hundred two, so he's yeah, better than three hundred. Yeah, no, but I'm, I'm saying though, like this, this, this. I love how your buy is, but I didn't want to give him a long term deal after the last couple of years. And the same well, thing. You know my opinion Dan of why. I don't, I, I don't want to get. And like, it's it's not even about Dan B. Swanson. It's about the other guys that are available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they're just better. I think Correa for, and this is the scary part because Jed did say it. Jed did say it, or maybe he didn't say it, or someone someone said he alluded to it. He's not going to go beyond five years with any contract, which almost eliminates Correa because he wants a uh, seven. I think that's pitching. Is, was he? Were they only I talking think about that's pitching? More like, pitching? Because that was a red flag to me. By the way, kudos to the Cubs because you've heard me bitch about it, and Zoe hates when I bitch about it. But the <laughs> Cubs did drop season ticket prices today by what eight? Was it eighteen percent? No, five five point one percent. 5.1%. Yeah. So it's like $18 a game, I think maybe mm-hmm. or something like there's 18 was involved in something, but Cubs dropped ticket prices. I know the white Sox raised it, but <coughs> the, the, Hey, congratulations. That was a good, good move. I, I applaud that move. That's a, that's a, you know, no one wants to, which scares me because now I feel like they're not going to spend. And they're like, yeah, well, that's why. Cause we, well, no, like, well, ah. that's the thing. You can take it the other way. Why are they, why are they lowering the prices? Cause people stop showing up. And people aren't as being like, yeah, I'll renew. Or like, yeah, I want season tickets. People showed up this year. They were a dog shit team, and people showed up. They were selling out. No, no, no. But their attendance attendance took a dip. It was a noticeable dip. Oh, let's see. Uh, Attendance. It was a noticeable dip Uh, because they're like, oh, shit. They were still in the top 10 in the major leagues, but from what they usually get, it did drop. Uh, No, actually, it went up 8,000 per game from last year. No, but last year they had the uh, there were some games where they were limited attendance. Oh, okay. Well, that, that makes a little different. So, yeah, no, uh, no, their their attendance went. They're like it's up a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of games too. Like you could middle of the week, like on game time, you'd like look, and there'd be people just trying to unload those things. Yeah, like, you could it's, get some cheap Cubs tickets for the first time in forever. Kudos to the Cubs though too. From they've really made a great progress from the 1890 Cubs where they had an uh, average of a thousand three hundred and eighty six people. <laughs> 
per game at Westside I mean, Park. That's one. a lot. I mean, there's the softball field like, on the right. <laughs> we're dying but, just by uh, getting sneezed on. Back I mean, that's look average. Yeah, average attendance. I mean, obviously, 2020 doesn't matter. You did have the 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 the, the take a while to get into the stands thing with that, but 3206. Yeah, that's the lowest attendance. This was the lowest attendance since 2014. Uh, but and it then was what happened higher. in 2014? They started they to spend. And then 36,000 in 2015, 39,000 in 2016, but still 32,000 a game for a team that was oh, no, it's still ridiculous. Games, yeah. 20 games <laughs> under 500 for like yeah. most of the season. That is, that's a con man. That again, if cup fans really wanted to protest, we wouldn't be able to, cause people are still going to the games. It doesn't matter. There are the, I love Crawley to death. Crawley's one of my dudes, but Crawley will go and spend every dollar he has in the Cubs. doesn't matter win or lose. It doesn't matter front office moves or not. He loves the Cubs more than he loves anything else and it, and i appreciate that but it ain't gonna help those types of fans are great when the cubs are winning but they drive you nuts when they're not because you're like bro can you at least take a stand real quick and i know that's he's frustrated the, but you you vote with your wallet that's, that's the only the, thing that that's the tough part about uh fandom as a whole because we're all we all enjoy stuff at a different because like there are fans who just like the, it's the cubs that's their team that they liked when they're since they were kids and they just like the cubs like it, like if they win, cool. If they like, obviously they prefer if they win rather than lose. But if they lose, like yeah, you you feel bummed out. But like, I, we do have to realize, guys. Like we are in the minority of, or maybe not minority, but not. I wouldn't say we are in the majority of like most fans do not keep up day to day. Most fans don't know the number five prospect in the in the minor league systems for the teams. They don't know. They don't really keep up with like the the news and rumors. And going like, to a game at Wrigley is an experience, man. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, you know, look, even, even for the even for Sox fans, go, it's like, yeah, we're going to the game. Man. I will never tell. And like, I get like the fan, like you vote with your wallet, like you said, but I'm never going to tell someone, hey, like don't no. show up to boycott. Like if it's a nice day in July, I'm going to the game. When the Sox were ass baseball, in 2016, baseball. I was going to like 10 games a year. Baseball, it's baseball. Cheaper tickets. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, that's it. You buy them through a secondary market. Someone already bought it. I'll, I'll pay. I'll give me five bucks. I'll go. That's great. Yeah. But here's the thing is I can't, I can't judge in that sense either because I remember the Jim Essien era when I was in high school and I felt like I was, I just won the lottery that I got to go to opening day on a team that I knew that was going to be terrible. But I'm like, I get to go to opening day. I had to also run, like I had a 10 mile penance because I missed practice. Uh, my coach let me go. It was my birthday and Greg Maddox, I was going to see Greg Maddox's first start as a brave. And my coach, I basically said, coach, I'm going to be missing practice for the game. And he's like, all right, thank you for being honest. You're going to owe me 10 miles by the end of the week. I went and ran the 10 miles in two days. I'm like, thank you, coach. You're the best. And I went and watched Maddox. And that was a cool game because even though Maddox beat the Cubs two to one, I think it was the standing ovation that Maddox got coming off the field was one of the most memorable experiences I had as a game. And, and that's baseball. You know what? When the team's bad, you can also teach your, you know, your kids or your friends how to keep score. There's a lot of things. There's a great way to teach the game when the teams are bad. Uh, if you're there for that reason. Now, if you're there just getting drunk, like it's a little different. Like both Cubs fans. Yeah. Well, hey, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. That's in the bleachers. I'm telling you stories right now that my dad and my grandpa didn't drink a single drop while they were at Cub Games. And I, I, they kept taught me how to keep score. I learned how to keep score at Cub Games. Literally. As they were dodging old styles on the way back. Here's another point. I can grab the scorebook from, from the Babe Ruth called shot game. It's right there up on my shelf right now. Um, I can grab that because. My family's always kept score. Like it's always, I'm I'm that dude that really actually would love to keep score at a game. That's a that's a cool part of baseball. That's the love of the game stuff. It's it, it has no, no bearing on winning or losing. You're going there to watch good baseball, and I can tell you that as a baseball bum, that is 
great for me. I'm just going to pay like I'm going to take pay cheap and prices or ask for comps because I'm not. I don't want to pay money to see that crap. Here's another point uh, in the comments, like you know, just you just like watching the younger guys play, and like, and that's the other part. If you do follow like the minor leagues a lot, and like you finally see like a Nelson Velasquez come up, you see Morel come up. Uh, you see like Rivas come up, like PJ Higgins, guys that you like, if you follow the daily of minor league baseball, you guys, you guys can follow these guys since they're like 16, 17, mm-hmm. 18 years old sometimes. That's, so, like, that's, always, that's always a fun aspect too. And the information age makes that even more enjoyable because we have more access to that stuff. I mean, again, old guy screaming at cloud. When I was in high school, you know, I, I'd have to go buy baseball America to find out what the hell was going on anywhere um there god i wasn't i mean god i didn't have internet the internet wasn't even there yet until i got to college aol dial-up huge nine at aol.com my dad still has pappy fit at aol.com as his email i swear to god um he still well, has Kevin, you have like an old ass email i have i have an msn <laughs> so mine was like 2001 2002 yeah i'm, I'm just i'm afraid to like i, I am stuck there too I'm, i am my dad we um, still, me and Zos thought you were like telling a joke when you sent us your email in the group chat one time. We're like, wait, nope. <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid I will lose too many cool things that I had like subscriptions to. And it probably doesn't matter. I mean, I have a Gmail. I have other stuff. I have other emails, obviously, too. But that one's my uh, that's my, my my fantasy email that I use for fantasy for football, too. But no, I mean, baseball is such a beautiful game that that that, that is hard. That's the, that, again, it's it's an abusive relationship because you do want you want to make sure the owner knows that you're not happy, but the owner is going to keep doing what he does because he knows that you're going to still show up. And it's we're it's a it's a it's a cycle of abuse, really. Uh, that's why you need and a good I, owner. And that's the thing. Despite all that playoff baseball, I'd still prefer that. <laughs> I'd say, I, give me that. <laughs> I'm about to I'm about to instant message on AOL instant message. Tickle me 96 times. Uh, oh, your sister. <laughs> we're like, hey. <laughs> well, I've been 69 just, times. Um, have you right, been, now, have you been watching the new episodes of Full House? Sorry. The moment that everyone's been waiting for. Yes. Let's go. We're about to start NASCAR Minute. All right. For those of you that are still up and bearing with us here, we got a good NASCAR minute. It was in Vegas this week. I found the airlines prevented me with their damn high prices. But all of a race. Uh, let's get right to it. This is kind of the story uh, of the race. Bo Wallace. He won stage one. He had a fast car in his McDonald's Toyota. Uh, stage two. He's trying to get back up into the front. He's got a lot of speed. So now Kyle Larson. This will set the stage here. Kyle Larson's the most talented driver in the field. 2021, he won 10 races. He's good. He pulls a lot of video game style moves. He's trying to go three wide. He goes three wide. Kevin Harvick's stuck in the middle. The beer man doesn't like it, so he lifts, gets out of the way. Kyle Larson keeps running up the track. Who's there? It's that McDonald's Toyota. McBubba, he sees him. He could lift. He's like, I ain't lifting. So Larson runs him into the wall. His car slaps the wall. Bubba's pissed. He's like, that son of a bitch. So he just takes a left into the straightaway, gets into Larson's car. Larson goes flying, and they're going 180 miles an hour. Bubba Wallace probably could have killed him had he backed into the wall. Luckily, he pinballed off another poor sap, Christopher Bell, who was just an innocent bystander who happened to be in the playoffs at the time too, broke his car. He's out of the race. So Larson goes spinning. Bubba goes spinning. Bubba's still pissed, though, that the fact that Larson ran him into the wall. Larson, you know, he was trying to pull off a good move, ran out of talent. 
So Bubba, he gets out of his car. He kind of has like that meme where he's like, oh shit, here we go again. You can tell. <laughs> Walk towards Larson. Tail the tape here because everyone knows what's going down. He's walking across an active racetrack, which is like kind of a big no-no. Tail the tape. Wallace, 5'6", 165. Really, though, if you look at that fire suit on him, he's a couple Big Macs from being like 200. Like he barely can fit in that thing. Kyle Larson, also 5'6", but 135. Bubba's got a huge advantage. Larson doesn't want any of this smoke. Larson gets out of the car. Bubba puts his hands up. It's on. He gives him a good shove. And Larson's like, hey, man, what the hell? He gives him another shove against the car. He's cussing him out. After a couple of shoves, Larson's like, dude, like I want nothing to do with this. So Bubba can't throw hands. We really didn't get the fight. But Bubba Wallace just finished making an ass of himself on the track. He tries to like walk away. Then safety guy's like, hey, no, you have to go like in the ambulance. He's like, get the hell off of me or whatever. Uh, and then after the race, they're, they're like interviewing him. And uh, he's like, uh, oh, yes, I just had steering issues, which is the one smart thing he said because he didn't admit to just left hooking him, which really he did. But, um, yeah, so he had some NASCAR beef. Now on to the actual race itself. Ryan Blaney, he is a playoff driver. He is the only playoff driver in the field that didn't win a race this year which was crazy because we had 16 different ra winners. So I'm rooting because my guy's out for Ryan Blaney just because I want the guy to win the championship to be the guy that didn't win a race, which I think would be funny for the way that the season's going. So his car's pretty fast. He's running second, uh, 39 laps. He's trying to punch a ticket to the championship. It's the round of eight. There's three races. You win, you're automatically in the championship four. So he's trying to get there. All of a sudden, he has an issue. He hits the wall, goes sliding across the track. His car goes up in smoke. And so does his chances of winning. So they stack him back up. They go again. Now, Daniel Suarez, my guy, he's having a pretty good day. Finished third in stage one, third in stage two. He's running up front once again. And damn Tyler Reddick, he cuts his nose off, gets some dirty air. His nose pops loose. He goes sliding. He's out now, too. So finally, sucks for him. Four laps to go. His teammate, Ross Chastain, he is in the playoff. Team Trackhouse, Pitbull's team. So now this is the guy I'm rooting for. Chastain's up front. He's got older tires. Who's behind him? Joey Logano. He's got four fresh tires. Logano's bearing down on him. Chastain with four to go. Both of them know they need a win to get to the next round. He's doing everything he can to stop him. So he's putting all the moves, trying to block him. You know, he's dirty air, gets in uh, uh, Logano's way. He's pulling out all the stuff. So Chastain now, realizing he has older tires, he tries to take the high line and build some momentum as uh, Logano tries to slide draft him. Gets a bit too high. Here comes Logano. Slide job out in front. Cuts off the nose, and Logano off to the races. He wins the race. Chastain uh, tries to fight back. Could not. So Joey Logano, the serial killer, um, the most aggressive driver in the That's field, it. he's That's going it. to Phoenix for the championship. we got two races left, three more spots remaining. So it's setting up to be an exciting uh, finish. Oh yep, there he is. There's Joey. There but yeah, there a hell of a race. There you go. That's a substitute teacher right there, Logano. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was a good NASCAR minute. Uh, uh, wait, wait, uh, hit the music. Why isn't it hitting? <laughs> hit, the, hit the fucking someone hit the music. He had a stretch in July. Oh, wow. I, I was talking about it in the podcast where it was like the Ross Chastain doesn't give a fuck tour. He was just wrecking anyone and everyone near him. And Logano has a history for being aggressive too. So when you saw the two up front, like racing for the playoff spot, you're like, oh, something's going down. And surprisingly, both of them raced like really clean. So it was kind of refreshing to see him not play bumper cars. So it was a hell of a race they had there in Vegas. Of course, Bubba Wallace throwing a temper tantrum 
stole all the headlines, but Kyle Larson was asking for it. And if you look up Kyle Larson, why he got in trouble a couple years ago, you'll know why. Well, Mitch, we've got a we've got another one in February. I would assume it's Fe it's usually February, late February here in uh, Vegas. So uh, maybe next time you come and you do a live one, a live NASCAR minute from Vegas. Uh, this time we we missed it this time, but we will get it. To, yes, we'll get we will get one. We will get a NASCAR Mitch Vegas style. Yeah, that's happening. Yep, yep. There we lost Aldo though. So speaking of NASCAR minute, <laughs> <laughs> Aldo. Aldo. Aldo gave up. He tapped out. No. Uh, well, that's good. Well, I, I, we can fill some time. So for for with NASCAR too. What uh? So what are the last two races left? So so everybody that's uh not named Yadog knows what to expect the next two weekends uh, while they're watching fantasy football on one screen and then uh, a lot of left turns on the other screen. What what are the next ones? This is like pinwheels after hours. I kind of like it. So Homestead in uh, Miami, Florida is the next one, which is a mile and a half track. So the the new car they have, they have a new car, the next gen car. Uh, there's been a lot of complaints about it this year, but it's been very good on these intermediate tracks, they call them, so like mile and a half, which Miami is. So I think that's going to be a great race down there. Um, and then the one after that is Martinsville, which is a short track, which can create a lot of drama just because short track racing tends to be a lot of bumping and banging. And when there's only one spot in the playoffs left, uh, you know, that's where things kind of get, uh, they get interesting around there, but the new car hasn't been great on the short track. So I think Homestead's going to be the big one. And then the championship race is in Phoenix. So there'll be four drivers in, in that last race. And it's kind of just a winner take all whoever finishes the highest in that Phoenix race wins the championship. Okay. And then, and then there's not like a championship race or is there a championship yeah, race? The one in the one in, um, Phoenix is the championship. Race. Oh, that is the, so. That's so the yeah. Big one. So Martinsville. So the round of eight is kind of like the it's like the semifinal basically. So Vegas is the first one in the round of eight. Uh, uh, Homestead's the second one, and then Martinsville is the third and final race, and then it's the championship in Phoenix. Okay. All right. Well, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think all those coming back. I think I think we lost all those. He said it's green furrows, which yeah, is being an excuse for. Didn't want to look at NASCAR. And honestly, I don't blame him. So God bless all you people that are still listening to this point. <laughs> I, I feel I feel like he had a Lamar Jackson emergency, and uh, he's just not telling us. Dave, uh, he probably had some uh, Hershey squirts and had to take a run for it. But uh, so I guess so that we'll kind of put a bow on this one then tonight. I know Aldo wishes he could say uh, good night, but he's right now he's uh, he's pooping like Lloyd Christmas or like uh, Harry Dunn uh, after drinking a Lloyd Christmas tea. But uh, from Aldo, me, and Mitch, do you have any final thoughts about anything going on for the next couple of weeks? What to look for for White Sox fans, or any kind of last words for uh, for White Sox fans or baseball hang fans in, in general? That's all. That's like it's a hang. In there. It's going to be a long off season. Hang in there. Okay. Well, for 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 Matt NASCAR, Mitch, for for Southside Zoe, who is uh, currently with Pony Boy Curtis saving orphans in a fire, and for Aldo, who is currently dropping a number three uh, in an upper decker. Uh, this has been KFids too as well, but thanks for tuning in tonight. Make sure you guys smash the like button, give us a follow, and uh, we will see you guys next week. And we'll have, uh, we might have a, at least a pretty close to uh, decided uh, NL and ALCS. So thanks for tuning in and have a great week, guys. Have a good night. Good night. And have a good week. Take care. Rebuild of the favorites. We here for the latest. Yeah. South side or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound or the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. It's that time of the year now. Wrigley or Ganty, so the whole league that we hear now. New show with a new mood. Discussions and interviews. Trade rumors that might be. This is Pinwheels and Knife. Yeah.
is what you waiting for, yeah You can put it on the board, yeah Every season, nigga, it all change Take me out to the ball game This is what you waiting for, yeah You can put it on the board, yeah Every season, nigga, it all change Take me out to the ball game This is what you waiting for, yeah can put it on a boy, yeah. Every season, make it all change. Every season, make it all change. Take me out to the ball, take me out to the ball, yeah.